It's like this little dirty little bass line. I don't fucking care. Can we move on to a new segment, please? Welcome to Just Two Fans, a sports show about sports. Obviously. About life. Because sports are life. And about just whatever the hell we feel like talking about. So, uh, let's go. What is up, everybody? What's good? I'm Jamie Friedlander. That's Eli Johnson and Chris Burkhart. We're doing it, doing it big. Yo, yo, so yo. We, we hopped on today and Chris goes, Eli, I'm taking the rant. I'm taking the rabbit hole today. So Chris, you got a lot to live up to because my rants are always epic, incredible. It's not really a rant and it's going to mm-hmm. be short and then you can go on your incredible rant. I just want to make sure that my representation holds up because happy Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, y'all. So we got to give our shout outs to Marcus Mariota and Oregon for doing the Ohana jerseys and my boy Timmy Chang, who's rocking it down there for the University of Hawaii, putting them back on the on the board. But I love this month so freaking much being a Pacific Islander myself. And it's so important to me because, man, representation completely matters because I remember growing up that I was a huge fan of The Rock. And not because he was a wrestler and he was popular, but I was like, there was a guy with dark brown skin connected to the islands, like looked like my grandpa, right? And then his grandpa, his the Rock's grandpa is like a spitting image of my grandpa, which just cracks me up. But like that representation mattered to me. Like, and ever since then, I have loved Dwayne Johnson, not for everything he does and the superstar he is, but just because like... It was a connection to the islands to me through someone who was mega popular. He wasn't like everybody else. And anytime I see anybody who who does have those connections to the islands, whether again, whether it's Hawaii or uh, Samoa or Tonga or Fiji, whatever, I get hyped and I and I get excited. And I think that, you know, AAPI Heritage Month is a cool thing. And um, that's why. uh, Hey. Fans love them. Oregon uses them. But that's why, like, the Ohana jerseys that Oregon rocked, man, those meant so much to the island people. Like, that, there's a reason and that people – There's a reason people still love them. I mean, I rock my Oregon Ohana t-shirt all the time because it's 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 so cool and um, obviously, you know, wear it on my arm every single day. So I just wanted to give a big shout-out to all the, the AAPIs out there and a big shout-out to Asian American Pacific Islander Month because, man, like I said – representation matters it's really special to me and i'm just glad we're in a place that like i said there's a good connection between the polynesian community and the university of oregon and same with oregon state and washington and the pac-12 in general and it's just it's a cool time man cool time and oregon is lucky enough to have one of the one of the greatest of all time represent the islands and represent it well there and our boy marcus Mariota. so again aapi heritage month baby mahalo Hell yeah. That's awesome. I, they should market that more because I had no idea that was happening. <laughs> I think I saw it on Chris's Twitter, so that's how I knew. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, our, our AAPI representation. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I really, maybe maybe of- some kid will listen to our show. You probably shouldn't be having your kid listen to this. But if they are and they'll see that Chris has the AAPI heritage and uh, they'll think the same thing. They won't love you for you being a superstar. That you are the love you for the the connection. 
like you said. Bro. It yeah. is. Yeah, it, that's what's up. It is true. Like I said, I ain't joking. I had no idea. Like before The Rock was a big thing and was like a superstar, superstar. Very first match he ever had. I instantly liked him. It's like that 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 guy looks like my family. He he looks like I said look yeah. looks just like yeah, my grandpa. Sure. And like the once you realize where they're from and what they represent, and like all that all that little stuff becomes becomes super 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 amazing. I mean, I so. think I think representation is absolutely imperative. Like, I mean, yeah, like no look look how look how much like the black community loved the Black Panther movie. Oh yeah, right. And it was it was mostly it, like that movie could have sucked. But like it was a, a a black cast, it was absolute representation of them and aspects of their culture and you know things like that. Like, and that's dope, and that's needed in our country for sure. Like, oh, we got our we got our guest stars. We got our guest stars, stars again. Okay, I'll come help you in a second. I need your help. I need your help. I gotta put a lock on this door. I need your <laughs> Obviously, mom wasn't paying attention for a split second because she just came in and said, that You are supposed to be. No, she, she said she was swapping laundry, and that's why the girls came in. How oh, dare she do that? She was like a jailbreak in Chris's house. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but anyway, back on topic. Um, yeah, that's why, too, like, uh, like movies like Moana were super special too yeah for sure uh, Mm -hmm. and didn't really take from one island community like there is the polynesian culture as a whole in that movie and it's really cool especially for you know my kids to to watch that and then they get excited watching you know maui and the tattoo like to me like i mean my hair you guys you remember me back in the band days when i was like clean like you know shaved with a one you know and now my mm-hmm. hair is like down past my shoulder blades i rock that island hair i got the tattoo my my kids always for like oh dad you look just like maui and it's like so then you get to explain like, to them, yeah you flex out a little yeah, bit it's, yeah <laughs> except, except but then you get to explain to them you know what that is and and the stories back there like i remember like my grandma all the time telling me you know we went to hawaii like uh, hey don't 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 take anything don't take a rock don't don't take anything from the volcano because pele will curse you and then you'll have the curse of pele and like little things like that and it's just really like i said it's just really cool and i mean anytime i can talk about or see anything to do with the islands i just get hyped so yeah it's like i said that representation matters and by the way like one of my proud moments was about this time last year when i got followed on twitter by the uh shout out to the polynesian football hall of fame so that's pretty dope. <laughs> that is dope. It's still my goal to maybe get in the journalist wing of the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame. Well, this podcast is a good start, but you know, but yeah, we're just yeah. launching <laughs> you to your dreams. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. How, oh, sidebar: You talked about the Ohana jerseys. How upset are you that they didn't sell those? Because I would have bought it in a heartbeat. But I can't imagine how many of those you would own. Oh my god! I would have ordered. I I would have ordered them in 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 instant. And I don't buy jerseys all the time. So yes, very very sad. But they still made some cool merch out of it that sold out. It like sold instantly. immediately. Instantly, I, could, I, I was, didn't get I it. Yeah, my wife got me one, and I have no idea how she managed to get one. So uh, yeah, if they would have sold those, I thought they they would have been so cool. And the thing is too, like what I loved about those jerseys, guys, is it wasn't just a half ass like like like. Think about like when they do like, uh, like American like 
military jerseys. They've done some more work into them lately. Like the, the ones that like Utah did last year, like were really intricate with the helmets and stuff. And, and they do that when they do that and put time into it, it's cool. But how many times are like, we're just going to slap an American, an American flag design flag. somewhere. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's our, it's our Memorial Throw day some camo on it. Yeah. And like this, there's no thought put into it as we're like, when they did the, the Ohana Jersey, like not only did they put thought into it, like they went to the islands and got a, a well-known Hawaiian designer to, to put those designs on the uniform that are so meaningful. And it's like, if you guys look at my tattoo, I mean, it covers my, my shoulder all the way down to my forearm and every single line in there means something. And it ties back to, to my family and my heritage to the island. So it's like the, when you look at something and it looked just, Oh, there's a lot of triangles and you know, those triangles have meaning. And there's a reason that they're placed where they are. And all, and the fact that they did all that work in those Ohana jerseys to get those little meanings in there were really cool. And one of my favorites was if you didn't pay attention to the Ohana jerseys, not a lot of people know this. You have to look really, really close. But being the Polynesian community being, you know, voyagers, right? That's how they discovered everything was through sailing and finding the islands. And they use the stars as navigation. So if you pay attention, the Ohana jersey, the uh, the helmet actually is stars, it, you have to look close. Like you can't pick it up oh, on TV and stuff. But if you look awesome. at the Ohana jerseys, there's stars it. on the helmet. Yes, there is, and it's freaking amazing. And I love it. I'm looking just, at it right now. It's, it's just those. It's just those little things that blow my mind. Yeah, look it up. You know, you know, uh, it's funny because the Ohana picture I have up right now is a uh, former guest of the show, Jordan Scott. So, oh my god, that's so cool. I never <laughs> noticed that. When I first saw it, I thought it was a filter on the photo. And then I realized, like, no, that's the design of the helmet is to look like the stars. That is which so call, cool. Yeah, which they use to navigate and find the islands. And then obviously the, the design of the wings having the the interlacing of the lines as well. Representing Those jerseys, all like that uniform oh, is like God, a top so five good. uniform all time of any sport. Oh, the fact so that they good. only wore it once, but... Um, it still pops up in almost every recruit photo you see. Like recruits mm-hmm. still love that. I I really I really hope they realize how impactful that uniform is and bust it back out one day because that would be really cool. You know, oh, it'd be man, really cool. And I think sick. What I think would be absolutely amazing, honestly, is just a, 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 an uber uh, uber uber show of respect. And I know being an Islander, I would love it. Is 2023 when Oregon plays at Hawaii if they wore the Ohana jerseys that would be freaking dope that'd be dope <laughs> yeah that'd be sick that would be dope Hawaii would have to let them wear the dark color though see if that happens they could do a white version well Hawaii <laughs> should just wear those wear, wear white the old school <laughs> wear the old school white with the actual rainbow on the helmet yes yeah that'd be those. dope yes <laughs> Oh man, that jersey's so cool. <laughs> anyway, see, look at see, see. Anyway. That's why that's why AAPI Heritage Month is is the best because then you get to talk about the Ohana jersey randomly in May. <laughs> I will always talk about the Ohana jersey. That's my so that good. is my favorite uniform of all time, and it's it really is not mine even as well. Close. Mine as well. Anyway. That and the throwback, the mm-hmm. that one, those mm-hmm. two, but this one's oh, it's so cool. All right, anyway. That was our rabbit hole. That was the rabbit hole. That was a good one, though. That was a good one. Good one. Chris, you lived up to it. Well, you thank know. you. Thank you. You've earned the good trust work. of... That was a <laughs> trial run of, uh, to make sure that you didn't fuck up the rabbit hole, and you, you passed. Good, good, so. good. 
Even if you didn't, I don't think I'm allowed to say you don't. You didn't pass. You know, I feel like there'd be you know me as a white man that would come on. I would get canceled real quick that way. Yeah, you know, <laughs> rightfully so. But you did great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got a lot to talk about this week, so yes, let's get to it. Uh, we're gonna start with I, I'm calling it podium, but it's a one. One topic podium this week, but before we do it, because it involves our favorite sport of all time that we already kind of talked about just now with jerseys, we have to do beer of the week. Womp womp. <laughs> that womp womp oh. was for me, not, not so much you. Uh, so I'm going to go first. Um, I don't have a beer. So I told you guys yesterday I wasn't feeling well and I couldn't get out. And then today I was like, okay, I'll go out and get it. I have plenty of time. And then I I went to go get it and I couldn't find my car keys because they were in my wife's car and my wife was gone. (laughs) So I couldn't couldn't leave the house (laughs) to go get my beer. So I don't get a beer and I apologize. So after the praise you just gave me for a great opening uh, rant, even though it wasn't a rant, I dropped the ball hard on beer of the week. Womp, womp. So what do you have there? Do you have water of the week? I just tr- I just finished a, a, an amino energy from Optimum Nutrition, a green apple mm. flavor, which is absolutely amazing, giving my little boost of caffeine to get through the day. I have way too many scoops a day. It's like it's my coffee. I love it. Um, but yeah, that, that was my beer of the week. It's five five star. I'll give it a five star. They take a lot <laughs> hey, of my money. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have that. As my beer of the week, um, because um, I, I can't do caffeine. It ramps me up. I get really anxious and jittery. Even I've seen like it. It's true. Coffee. It's bad. It's not <laughs> yeah, good. It, it is so very instead, bad. So instead, from Matchless Brewing, I have Hop Stripe, Hop Stripe Hazy IPA. It's got the fruit stripe. Like the can looks like fruit stripe. <laughs> oh, yes. That is awesome. Yeah. So let's see how Talk about it a throwback, tastes, right? If it's like fruit stripe gum, it's going to taste great and then disappear flavor wise for five seconds. Exactly <laughs> five seconds. <laughs> hmm. It doesn't taste like fruit stripe gum. That's probably good. However, it doesn't. Not taste like fruit stripe. <laughs> <laughs> if the can didn't look like that, would it taste like fruit stripe gum? Like, is that a flavor? You I, I mean, pull I, out it of helps it? that I'm like I'm like thinking about that as I'm yeah, tasting. Right. Um, this is this is the the descriptors of citrus, tropical, and gum. Oh, okay. So, yeah. um, no, I mean, yeah, it, it's good. I really like it. Um, it's really mild for a hazy. Um. I'm usually really sensitive to like metal taste in like uh, bitter beer. This doesn't really have that. Um, nice and citrusy. Uh, I'm gonna give it a solid four, four point two five. Nice, nice. That's good. I'm really solid hoping beer. <coughs> uh, this beer is not as terrible as whatever I had last week. <laughs> um, this is you mean your zero star. <laughs> yeah, this is from Tivoli Brewing Company. In Denver, Colorado, this is She's My Cherry Pie. It's a lager. She's my cherry pie. 
Imperial Lager. Tastes so good it brings a tear to your eye. We'll figure. We'll find out. There you go. Make a ground man cry. All right, here we go. Ooh, are you crying? I'm. I'm not. However, <laughs> did it bring a tear to your eye? It didn't. So false advertisement. False advertisement. However, Starting a lawsuit. It is very good. Okay. Not is it is it good just in comparison to your beer last week or well it- any anything <laughs> else that I could drink basically is better than that. <laughs> um, it's I expected a lot more cherry. It is very understated. Like there's cherries all over this thing. Like the whole thing's lined with cherries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the can is red. I mean, everything about this screams cherry, and then you drink it, and there's just like little tiny hints of cherry. Fair. But it's really good. Kind of like, I think that makes want. it. Yeah, I think, like, especially because it was, I was intrigued because it's a lager, and usually when you have cherries, like, I kind of expected more of a sour, right? Looking at the can, mm-hmm. it's definitely not that. Um, this is very, very drinkable. See, you're, I think you're. I think it gets a high rating. It, well, I'm not the one drinking it, but I would give it almost a higher rating for being light on the cherry. Because anytime I've had a cherry beer that goes heavy on the cherry, it just tastes like fucking cherry cough syrup. Yeah. So it's like you have to be very, very no, careful this is, with your cherry flavoring in a beer. This is extremely well balanced. Just to, like great. it has enough cherry to like give you the flavor, but not. It's not overpowering. Yeah. Like you're saying, who is is really good. It's definitely not a five star. Like I, it's not my favorite thing I've ever had, but it is a solid four. Nice. Like if I saw this nice. on a menu, I'm gonna order it because it's it's just really drinkable. It's also nine point five percent. So nice. But it doesn't taste like that. Again, like it doesn't taste super cherry. It doesn't taste like a super strong beer, but it is both of those things. And I like it. I'm a fan. I like this. Mine's only 6%. You do a, and I, I don't have the beer this week, but it made me think. So I bought, I, I, I said this before, but I wanted to try the, the matchless, matchless bar from matchless beer because their can looks like a Wonka bar. And you just got the one that looks like fruit stripe. And, and every time I go to the store and I see Matchless, they they win for can design. Like, Absolutely. I don't even look at They're the what golden. kind of beer it is. Like I almost just want to buy it because I just see the can and it catches my eye. Like like they have one here called the Hoppy Giant that looks like the Iron Giant. I'm like, that's just like, dude, like yeah, their can design. Huh. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, All that's right. such that's such good redemption after that shit show last week. <laughs> God, that beer was bad. I've never been so disappointed in a beer in my life. I know you all are probably sick of hearing me talk about how no, terrible it's that all, beer was, but my it's God, it was so bad. <laughs> it was like my seasick crocodile. Like the fact the fact that it was Christmas and it was themed Christmas, I really had high expectations, and then it sucked. So yeah, just, that's what I'm you, saying. Uh, I had high expectations with the can and everything, and oh, uh, uh. 
just All right. gross. On to sports now. Uh, we did it again, boys. We did it again, motherfuckers. Two for two. <laughs> two, two for, for two. two. Mark <laughs> Emmert did it. Mark Emmert is stepping down as the Thank head of the NCAA, God. president of the NCAA. The worst part about this is we have to wait till 2023 for it to come to effect, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a whole lot else to say other than this is great because Mark Emmert's a fuckhead. Yeah, you kind of nailed it right there. Mark <laughs> Emmert is a fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've, we've shit on him so much on this show. I think if you have listened to like one one third of our episodes, you turn the shit on him. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yep. And uh, so this has really been a long time coming. Uh, I think it's the best for the NCAA. So. Yeah. As Eli said, it's not, it's not coming to fruition until 2023. Something about transition of power and they don't want there to be nobody. I don't even know what he does anyway, so I don't know why it matters, but um. Yeah, it's not happening until the end of this year, beginning of next year. But just it wait is till happening. they announce Just wait till they announce his replacement, and they're like, "And uh, replacing him is former Pac-12 don't, commissioner don't, Larry Scott." Don't, oh, no. no, I'm not even letting don't you put, put that, that evil on me. Don't you dare! <laughs> Stop it right now! Don't you dare! Stop just shut it! Your fucking mouth! Stop it! <laughs> I, just, I knew that would get you. Too. If, if, if that it. happens, I will go and pick it. <laughs> fucking Larry Scott Herring. I, I like. I will fucking go to NCAA headquarters, f- just just by myself. I don't give a fuck. No, no, to Larry Scott. Just, just just have a picture of Larry Scott and underneath. Just says no. I'll be out there for a week. I'll just go. Don't harass put him that. Quits. Don't put that out there. That is so gross. How'd that taste coming out of your mouth? Tasted wonderful. Tasted no. It did not. Like, Tasted like You're green lying. apple because it was still in there. So You're there was, lying. There was no, it was not tainted. You're lying. Nope. Oh, God. that Just the thought of that hurts my head. I'm living that I troll life now. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that you. so That's gross. That's I lost all train of thought of what I was going to talk about here. Doesn't matter. That now is we have to so move on bad. Chris ruined the segment. <laughs> it is so, so good with bad. the rabbit hole, and then you just ruined the Didn't whole show. Didn't have a beer. Show. Fucked the segment up about. I mean, I'm in, I'm in trouble. I better just better just log off for the you night. Get in line. All right, I'll stop. Get in line. I'll stop. I'm gonna focus. I'm gonna focus. Now. Oh, ugh. that's so bad. Okay. Hey, text, anyway. text him Danielle right um, now. Hey, hey, babe, can you let the girls in? I need to be saved. I, I, I need Eli and Jamie to think I'm lovable again. <laughs> I don't even know if they can save you at this point. <laughs> you yeah, that was pretty bad. You our arch rival. <laughs> <laughs> to replace our second arch rival. Yeah. Bad. I got a little That's bit. Bad. Hey, I mean, um, if, if, if I were a supervillain, I'd be the Joker. I like chaos, baby. I like chaos. That's fair. <laughs> um, and here we go. So who's next? We, we're two for two. It's, I mean, it's got to be Manfred, right? Oh, it's definitely Rob Manfred. Easy. It's got to be Manfred. Easy, yeah. easy, easy. Watch out, I mean, buddy. We might want we might want to wait until the NCAA does announce their replacement. Because as much as uh, I, I mean, the NCAA has made worse mistakes than putting Larry Scott in that position. Oh, I just mean for today, <laughs> Rob Manfred. Oh, for today, next. yes, Manfred. As of today, 
Oh, it could very well just jump right back to whoever takes over the NCAA. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. Speaking of the NCAA, I want to bring this up to you guys because I've seen rumblings about this. And we kind of made fun of Dabo Swinney for complaining about all uh, the NCAA turning into the Wild Wild West with NIL and all this stuff over the last year. But some of these reports that are coming out about the quote-unquote tampering going on with recruits or potential players entering the transfer portal and all this stuff, do you think college football is heading in a good direction in general? Because I'm worried. No, I do not. I think I think what needs to happen is it just needs to be it just needs to be reined in, and they need to figure out how these NIL deals are going to be navigated. They need to figure out the course to get through this this rough patch of of this wild, wild west that you talk about. But I think in general, I think you're going to be fine. Now, I do understand like it was a couple weeks ago, and I agree with him. It was really funny because everyone was like, ha, 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 like you're Alabama. So, of course, you'd say that. But it was Nick Saban saying that it, you know, basically it's turning into you know pay to play. Like you, you can buy who you want to come to your school. And everyone said that, you know, of course you of course you say that you're Alabama, but he was making a very good point because like he said, he's like, it's not going to hurt us. We're, we're Alabama. Like, it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt Texas. It's not going to hurt Oregon. It's not going to hurt Clemson. Right. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt FIU <laughs> and it's going to hurt Kansas. Colorado. Right? And it, like, yeah, Colorado. It's going to hurt those schools that, that don't have the money or the pedigree or the current winning, you know, whatever to get players in that's what it's going to hurt um but eventually i think it will balance itself out because if you are say you are alabama and it's already happened oregon it's already happened too where you get so much talent in and eventually you're going to have talented players who are like yeah screw this i need to go somewhere else like (laughs) i'm going to transfer and then they go to those they do go to those other schools and then just matters how much money you throw at them now i was saw this question posed on twitter that do you think because of nil deals that like people players would like forego the NFL draft to stay at school because of NIL money. And I don't think so because you look at the NFL draft, dude, seventh round picks are still getting three, three quarters of a million dollars per year on their contracts. I think Brock Purdy went Mr. Irrelevant is in line to sign a projected four year, $3.7 million deal. Like granted, not a lot of that's guaranteed, but still that's the contract that you're looking at. And NIL is not touching that. You look at like Kayvon Thibodeau had a deal that was going to pay him a mill for NIL, but Kayvon Thibodeau was a top five pick. Like that's completely different than Mr. Irrelevant. So yeah, I I don't think it's going to hurt the NCAA in the long run, Jamie. I definitely just think right now they implemented NIL rules without understanding how to rule on NIL rules. It was like, okay, everyone can get paid now. And they're like, oh shit, we didn't figure out how to actually, you know, get this in line and understand how to navigate these waters. We just jumped in the deep end and now we're fucked. So I, I just don't think it, I think it will balance out eventually. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in line with Chris on this one. Like, uh, is the current state of NCAA football great right now? No, there's definite major issues going on right now. Um, again, like Chris said, they kind of they kind of thundergunned the the NIL rules. They said, "Hey, we've had a lot of pressure. Term. Here you go. Thank you. Um, you just here's here's you can go get paid now. And like there you go, Mark Emmert. You know, rest his soul. 
um, as as president. Uh, <laughs> he's a uh, you know he goes oh yeah just go get paid I don't give a fuck anymore right. Um, and no, there's I, the I think, irony in the fact that the one guy that has been like, no, they can't get paid. They're students first. They're student first. And the minute NIL becomes a thing, he's like, yeah, Emmer is no longer going to be commissioner of the NCAA. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I think I think I think it's been handled poorly. Yeah. Am I going to hit the panic button on college football? Not even remotely. I think it's going to buoy out. I think we're gonna they're going to find a middle ground somewhere. I like it'll it'll happen. I like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna doomsday college football because. Right now is a little wonkasaurus after a lot of rule changes happened in the last like four years that made this look really crazy right now. Yeah. And there we're going to start seeing some changes here and there, some tweaks. I mean, it was very quickly put together. It's it's trial and error. Um, I think I think after I think after a few years, you'll see you'll start to see a buoy out. And, and, and I mean, you're already seeing some schools actually benefiting from it, like like uh, like Jackson State. I mean. They hired Deion Sanders, and now they've got the number one recruit out of this class. He's getting NIL deals. Like, it, you know, I don't know. I, I'm i not going to hit the panic button yet. I mean, you That's have the crazy part, though, too. Like, you have the, the Miami basketball player who they got a guy who transferred in, and he got a bigger NIL deal than he are, than this other player had. So the other player basically tried to leverage it and say, if I don't get a bigger NIL deal, then I'm going to transfer away from Miami. But the crazy part is, like, again – that's not how it works. Like if you sign an NIL deal, like you're not, it's not, it has nothing to do with the school. You're signing with a contract with whatever company is going to pay you money mm-hmm. and you're inside, you're in that contract. You get to, Oh, I can't Oh, Now someone else gets more money than me. So now I'm going to transfer somewhere else. Unless you give me more, like, come on now. Yeah. Well, and when it comes to like the pay to play thing, like that is a good point that Nate Saban made. Like it is kind of like that right now, but that's one of those things I see tweaking over time. Mm-hmm. Um, if they could, if, if the NCAA can put somebody competent in their presidency position who can uh, make something like this happen and in, in, in execute it in a, uh, a manner that's good, and uh, then I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, all of that sounds great in theory. I don't like the way this is going at all. I mean, Tennessee just signed a quarterback, Nico Iamaleva. I, I totally butchered that, but that's... They signed him for $8 million as a recruit. His kids played high school football, and he's about to make $8 million. There is 0% chance that any school other than the top-tier programs can compete with that. None. Yeah, I think that's a a symptom of how this has been implemented, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's all about implementation at this point, and they need to start tweaking it otherwise. And I think they will, right? Because they're going to see this giant contract out of this high school kid and be like, okay, we need to look at this seriously and see what the fuck we're doing with NIL, right? Because, like, yeah, like you said, like, small programs can't keep up with that, but, like, I just don't see how you change I, it. There's no way they can just take it away now. They can't be like, oh, actually, no, the NIL is gone. That's what I'm. I don't think you can rein that back. Uh, like I think this is what we're looking at. We're looking at minor league football. Yeah, but, I, I, but, I still think it's going to buoy. I think yeah, it's going to come. But it's back. always, it's, but it's always been minor league football. That's the thing. Like that's we 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 worry about nil and Tennessee giving money this core blah, blah blah. Like we haven't been doing this this 
for years, dude. Like, if anything, if schools are now going to be allowed to openly throw out money and boosters can openly throw out money and these companies can openly throw out money to try to convince a guy to go to a school, then the NCAA needs to do the right thing and give Reggie Bush his Heisman back because his mom got a house. Like, that's the thing. Like, dude, they, the, the, the uh, we're going to give your parents a house. We're going to give your parents money. We're, I mean, come on, dude. We all live this college life. Yet some, 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 you, you look at a, a freshman football player who comes in who's driving like a fucking corvette while you're driving your ford taurus like come on like like the the money has been flying and it has been flying around uh for years obviously the like the willie lyle shit and the recruiting stuff that was paid under the table to try to get michael james and all all this craziness that goes on like it has been going on for a very very long time the crazy part is now all these people who have been throwing money no longer have to do it under the table they no longer have to hide what they're doing and so now you're just i think it almost just feels like more more money is being throwing around or more it's coming from more directions and i i don't think that's the case i think it's always been coming from those directions and the same amount of money's always been thrown around yeah it's just you don't have to do it in the dark anymore sure i agree with all of that what i think is going to be very difficult and damn near impossible for lower tier programs and uh you know, I'm lumping Colorado into this because I kind of already saw it happen this year, is let's just say these small, slower programs get a diamond in the rough, right? Get get a three-star, let's call it LaMichael James, right? Three-star out of, co- out of high school, but flourishes his first couple years in college. He's not staying at a smaller school that's not going to give him an NIL deal for his junior or senior year. He's going to transfer to USC or Oregon or Alabama or Tennessee or Florida or any of these programs that are going to give him the money that he thinks he deserves. And he probably does. But the smaller schools can't keep up with that. It's not like they were keeping up that much anyway, though. Right. They have to find the diamond in the rough who might transfer anyway. Right. We see it every year. They couldn't before. That's what I'm saying. And you've talked about the rule changes over the last four years. And I'm not saying we need to go back to making these guys stay put because that's not fair either. It's just creating a larger separation between the top and the bottom. And it's not going to get any better. That's all I'm saying. See, but then you, like, you, need to, you need to put in some some like rules. Obviously, you've said that a, a bunch. But you need to put in some... like people to help get these kids to a point where they can leverage their own talents and their own skills because we're talking about NIL money. Like this is not this is not necessarily Oregon saying I have a bajillion dollars to throw at people. Like this is I I can go I can go to you know, burrito boy. And now I can sign a deal to be their spokesperson and I can make money. Now granted that's a dumb one because Burrito Boy ain't throwing no money at anybody. But okay, and it buzz does put Oregon in a good spot because of obviously Nike and this and that. But it comes down to boosters, and there's every single school has 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 rich boosters. So if they want to spend money, they're gonna find ways. Secondly, you can't like just because I'm gonna to go to Oregon versus Washington State or Colorado doesn't mean that I can't leverage my own talents to go get a, a sponsorship deal with a company that wants to leverage those talents. Like if you're if you're talented, you're going to be able to get those deals regardless of what jersey you're wearing or what school you're going to. Right. So you but need the to level put, like, of that, that counselor, deal changes. Like, I don't think so. It absolutely so. does. 
You're telling me it's, somebody. But it's not like it's not like, like Nico was ever going to go to any of these smaller schools, right? Not, I'm not saying that. I'm deal. saying I'm saying again. I get that we've always paid top talent. I'm not blind to that fact. Top mm-hmm. talent is going to go to the top schools because the top schools have always paid the most. That's just right. facts. The problem is you can't like what. Let's take Iowa State, right? Historic dumpster fire of a program finally built itself up with good recruiting and kids that stayed over the however many years that was. And then they finally made it to a New Year's Six Bowl, right? I don't know today if that happens. Because you can't tell me that those players that played on that team and that were all that good would have stayed because the money in Ames, Iowa is all that great. It's just not. But if I but if I'm in, if I'm at Iowa State, I'm Brock Purdy. I'm the face. The like I, I'm out here. I'm, I'm going crazy. Huh? I said or Brees Hall. There you go. I, I'm I, I'm a I'm a LaMichael James type. I'm a I'm a Marcus Mariota. I'm the face of the franchise. But I'm I'm in Iowa State. Like if I'm throwing out crazy numbers, I'm playing so well, dude. A company's gonna want to latch on to me. So it's like look at look at a company like Toyota, dude. Toyota fucking throws money left and right when it comes to the the, the amount of money they sponsor. It's crazy where you see Toyota sponsored on. So you're gonna tell me that if if Toyota as a company is gonna will, willing to latch onto a guy that they're gonna look at a guy and go okay this guy this guy out here in 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 Iowa is I, I don't want to I'm not gonna do it because he doesn't play at Alabama like the money's the, like the kid the kid is what's going to make the deal at the end of the day the talent is going to make the deal at the end of the day like that's i i get what you're saying but i still think there's money to be had and that's why i say if you had some sort of counselor program or system set up for these kids to better leverage their own talents to get those sponsorship deals not rely on what a school or a booster can hand out to them cuz if we're talking exclusively booster money or what a school can th- slide in under the table then then yes those lower schools aren't competing with Alabama. But if you're talking about what local companies can give to these players and what larger companies can hand out to these players, then almost any player can go out and leverage their talents to get that money in their pocket. But again, the problem is, just like I already said, whether you look at like, you know, Kayvon getting a big deal versus what other kids are getting is is, is just always going to be whether it's the top schools or the top talent it's always going to benefit the top at the end and, of the day. And I'm not saying this is like total like despair mode right I just I'm just worried about the direction I'm not saying that like the bomb has dropped and all hope is gone for college football something just, and now and I say all this in Colorado very very smartly launched several months ago uh it's called the buffs nil exchange and it's a collaboration event with local businesses uh and it quote opens the door for colorado student athletes to connect with businesses in their own backyard um so basically exactly what you just said chris it's it's the university here's the tools that we're giving you Mm -hmm. now go make the best of your talent that's and that's how and it's got to go. Meant, that's what I meant by like it buoying out, right? Because like teams are going to adjust. The NCAA will make adjustments, whether it's a a cap on how much they can make, or and then and then on the on the other side of that, kind of touching on what Chris was saying earlier, is like we live in a social media age where anybody can get their name out. 
That's right? true. You can put a highlight reel on YouTube and it gets a five million. That's views. true. You're getting an NIL. That's true. And I'm not again. I'm not saying that this is like we're we're down the rabbit hole too far and we can't come back. It just needs to be reined in. Whether it's yeah. the NCAA creating an NIL pool that everybody can dig from, you know that's that's an option. What I think. Tommy. Well, you t- well <laughs> I, you talk about Toyota and stuff and all these big national international companies that want to jump in on some of these players. Create an NCAA pool just like the one that Colorado did, right? Here's the opportunity. Go get it. Like, you guys wanted to be in charge of what you make. Here you go, right? I think it it just needs to be less. I don't want to call it a handout because it's not. It just needs to be less pay to play and more get what you earn, I guess, is more what I'm I'm getting at. And, yeah, but that doesn't even think like mirror real caps, life, though, either. Right, like what, like getting what you earn versus getting a hand, like you know what I mean, like, like I'm not calling it a handout. I just yeah, the but like that, doesn't, like, that doesn't like translate necessarily. Even like you don't get paid on your skills, like at wet work, right? Generally, well, like athletes do. Yeah, but I mean, like, like that's what I'm saying. Is like it doesn't like that. That doesn't. That's like a none like of a, that's a beautiful thought. None of what the none of what. Well, af- professional athletes get paid for their performance. That's that's the whole deal. But I also think if someone's throwing out money, though, I mean, again, if you're looking at companies that are willing to put money into a player because they think there's value in right. that sponsorship I, deal. Right. Like, I think that's fine. It's the $8 million basically check that was written to... I think we're on the right path with salary cap, for example. We like you just have to make it so everybody's able to compete. You cannot have this huge gap between the top and bottom because it's not sustainable that way. That's my concern with this whole thing is just like everybody talks about every year and people that I know and I'm close with don't like college football because they know it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson and Georgia every year. And then maybe you throw the in the occasional Cinderella Oregon story, not Cinderella, but throw in the occasional Oregon, occasional Cincinnati, right? The occasional big storyline that ends up losing to one of those out of the three anyway. And then we're right back to where we started. That's the whole problem with college football right now Sounds is like there's no parity. playoff. absolutely that as well it just you can't have this huge gap you gotta make that's that's the unfortunate like just nature of college football and ncaa sports as it's been been. run oh it it hasn't there's a i mean no i think i i i think you'd be wrong there like the, the top schools have always been the top schools. And then so we laugh when a top school is act is down for a minute. We're like, whoa, what's going on? Look at USC. USC dominated forever. Texas was good forever. Miami was good forever. When the top teams are good, they stay good for a long okay, time. Then, then I think that's that even furthers my argument that college football needs more parity. And we're I don't want to get down the parity. But it's not like it's hurt again. our viewership or, or, or our love for the sport. Because, dude, we sit here and we put, we put out this bracket for NCAA, and then we're shocked that Kansas goes out and wins. That it's Kansas, North Carolina in the final. I have a team. I, I have a sixty-four team bracket plus extra play-ins, and the 
the blue bloods, the ones that you historically make it that far, make it that far. Like, like that's just the nature of how NCAA has been set up. Once you've created, like, once you put in that work to become, you know, the the blue blood program, the top, the top of that mountain, like, you tend to stay there for a minute, regardless of anything else. Like, like, like I said, we talk about markets and this and that. Like I said, like, does Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Fucking Tuscaloosa, Tux, Tuscaloosa. I can't even speak. Alabama. Yeah, middle of I hear nowhere. What you're saying. I Ad just City want is not getting anything, but but Alabama football has become a juggernaut. The program it, has, so tur- maybe, has turned itself on. Its maybe head. this it's- is Colorado fan side of my brain <laughs> talking right now. It's just very hard to watch. We'll see how it goes. I don't. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I just want like there's a potential here for it to create more competition, and I just need, I want it to go that way. I just right now it's going the opposite direction, and I don't like it. See, I think I, I do think I get what you're saying, and I would agree. I, I would want that too. But again, if if we talk about the wild west that it is right now because it just started. Now, if a school can throw money at a player, like you're only going to throw so much money initially. At so many like, players, yeah. Like I you get talked it. about Tennessee just doing I get that, it. but after a while, are they going to like? Is it really uh, worth it for me to throw money at my well, third string quarterback? No. And, and then right, that guy and, goes, "I could be a third and, stringer here, or I can make a little bit more money and go to Iowa State." Cool. And all it's going like, to take is a Nico Iamaleva to be a total flame out after his $8 million deal for schools to get gun shy. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Maybe this naturally works itself out and that could very well happen. It could also just go down a very dangerous path that I don't want it to go down for college football because I love the damn sport so much. (laughs) I just don't want that to happen. That's all I'm getting at. I see the potential for danger and it scares me. Yeah, I like. I think there, there, that potential is there. I think it's pretty. It's a very slim chance. I think. I think we have a much higher chance of a Nico flaming out and schools getting gun shy. I think it's far greater than what. And even thinking. if he doesn't, somebody's going to. Yeah, yeah. Some one of will. these guys that's going to get this huge deal is going to be a total bust. Well, like Quinn Ewers has exactly. the, the second highest deal, and he didn't even start for Ohio State. He now didn't he's at Texas. play for Ohio State, and he's probably not going to start for Texas. Yeah, and so like it takes a guy like that. It takes a guy like Nico. I mean, Nico will probably start because he's We're, at Tennessee. You're right. and they don't have shit. And I'm not saying that NIL <laughs> is bad, right? I want these players to get what they like. I, I, I want that. I want players to get paid. Again, I'm just wanting this to go down a path that makes college football more enjoyable for everybody. Not just Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, Georgia fans that are sitting pretty right now with boosters that are willing to throw all the money around and all that stuff. I want it to benefit the sport as a whole because I love it. And... Again, the potential's there. That's just what I want. So uh, that end rant. That is all I wanted. <laughs> that was a long rant. We we I, ranted on. Uh, it's almost like college football's our it's, favorite. But sport. it's a big it's a big <laughs> discussion point because yeah. it's nuanced, right? Like everything, especially when it comes to paying 
previously amateur athletes, there's no way that this was going to go super clean right out the jump. Yeah. Like, not possible. Yeah, I just yeah. My no, thing is, I guess yeah. it's just more of an execute like execution error on the part of the NCAA than, and it's almost uh, like path. Mark Emmert sucked ass at his job. Bye, Mark. Fucking Don't let the door hit you on the way out, you fucking <laughs> asshole. Yeah, but again, with this with this Nico stuff, as I'm reading it, yeah, if a school is allowed to to get in on the NIL thing and say since they're amusing you in in our ads and stuff like that then there absolutely needs to be a cap on what schools can spend because that's or and and or use the the like the when the money comes in from bowl games and all that stuff like evenly dispersed out and like every every school gets the exact same amount of money to spend because then you are screwed but other than that like i said i think if you leverage your own talents to sign with other companies i think that is a little bit different but yeah you're treading into some very as i'm reading into this stuff and get what you're what you're laying down here jamie um yeah if you tread into the waters of schools handing out the money then you be it's it's a very very scary slope yeah that's it's that is different it's it's just it just needs to be fine-tuned the the idea is right it's just it's not there and again what colorado's doing if if they implement this the right way that's that's what it needs to be here's all of these businesses that are willing to pay you for your talents and your advertising and all this different stuff go utilize it here you go we gave you the tools Go figure it out. That's what it should be. Like you said, Chris, schools handing out the money or money changing hands directly. I know it's happened forever, but that's the stuff that's made college football what it is, good or bad. It just, again, potential's there. Just want it to be realized. That's it. Speaking of NCAA, I just wanted to point out that Nebraska football coach Scott Frost is being hit with minor penalties for coaching violations. That's it. That's the headline. Fuck Nebraska. <laughs> Moving hey, along. Also, also, I just want to throw this out there. Um, uh, fuck Larry Scott. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah, that yeah. guy. Yeah, fuck Larry Scott. I mean, he's sitting pretty on a beach somewhere, just retired, because he yeah, fuck that basically guy. stole the Pac-12's money for 10 years. 10 years. Fucking and didn't do anything. God, what an idiot. Not an idiot. He's actually really smart because they just let him get away with it for 10 years. Yeah, it turns out. Um, anyways, anybody else have closing thoughts on college football? We've ranted on about it for long enough. <laughs> All right. We're moving on to F1 real fast. Chris, I know this ain't your thing. Too bad. I'm going to go, go fill up my blood <laughs> bottle. The, okay. The Miami Grand Prix is this weekend. It is the yes. first year that it is being run. I actually get to watch a Formula One race during like regular hours. Like normal ass hours. It's going to, to be great. 5.50. It's going to be great. Um, I'm very excited. The track is fucking weird. And I, track, I see some really potentially dangerous things happening here. It is here. a super weird circuit. So no listener, doubt about the, it. the the circuit goes underneath the freeway, um, which I see is really dangerous because there are a hundred percent going to be knuckleheads trying to stop and watch on a freeway in Atlanta or Miami. Excuse me. Uh, there's it's a hundred percent going to happen, and it's going to be bad, or people are going to get distracted while driving on it. I there's some danger there. Um, 
hopefully a police presence or presence helps with that. But it's it's a weird track. It's going to be a fast fucking track. It's it going to be going a fast be circuit. Quick. There's really only two passing opportunities on this circuit. Um, okay. I would imagine there's two DRS zones. Now that I'm looking at it, uh, I haven't looked that up. There's like yet. there's like the, there's like that little back stretch. The back and stretch then like the and then the stretch. main the main straight for sure is a DRS zone. Yeah. Um, and it's all around Hard Rock Stadium. The dumbest thing, and this is just so American and stupid, and I understand why Formula One fans fucking hate America so much. Um, so this the Miami Grand Prix is at Hard Rock Stadium. And if you are familiar with Miami at all, that is a decent ways away from the ocean. They are creating a yacht club. And they are filling a parking lot with fake water. It's not even real water that they're filling it with. It's plywood covered with a water, like, basically wallpaper. It looks like water from a video game and, like, early Grand Theft Auto. It's like Minecraft water, and they're putting boats on it. And they're probably selling it for 10 grand, so good for them. But, like, what the fuck? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. But, yeah, from what I'm looking at, it looks like there are two DRS zones, and we we, we knew what they were. We called them out. Um, There's not, like... I'm it is a weird at, circuit. Look- it's I'm a looking weird at the circuit. circuit, and there's not a lot of like really hard chicanes in here. There's like one, two. Oh, it's going to be fast. This is a fast three. This is a fast circuit. This no doubt about quick. it. It's going to be quick. the The thing that's most exciting, I think, for this weekend for Formula One is this is it's it's a rare occurrence, not rare, but not super common occurrence where none of these drivers have driven this circuit before. So. While the best drivers are still the best drivers and the fastest cars are still the fast cars, the the racers that figure out this circuit the fastest are going to have the advantage this weekend. Mm. And I think that's really exciting because it creates the opportunity for somebody to come up who hasn't necessarily been doing well in the standings or been finishing, you know, had any podium finishes to come up and do really well. And I I think that aspect of running a new new circuit and all this stuff is is pretty fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun race to watch. Like you said, nobody really has an advantage here, so we're going to see like true driving skill, which lends its uh lends credence to Max Verstappen winning this. Um I'm just reading now that there are three DRS zones. There's the main back straight on like uh, turn seventeen, between sixteen and seventeen, there's a start between nineteen and one. I was going to say between the start, ten maybe. and eleven. Yeah, are down the, at are the, the bottom are the DRS zones there. Um, they're projecting over two hundred miles an hour on two of them and one ninety two yep. on the start line. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fast, no yeah. doubt about it. It's going to be fast. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, all I know is Nicholas Latifi is going to do terrible because and and. Um, uh, Lance Stroll, because those are the two guys that are only in there because their daddies have a lot of money mm-hmm. and they're not very good drivers. So I anticipate DNFs for those two. And I don't know about DNFs, but pretty low finishes. No points for sure. 
Nicholas Latifi's going to crash, and he's probably going to wreck somebody because he's just bad at driving. Yeah, okay, that's true. Because at least, like, Stroll has some skill in driving. He can drive a car. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Nicholas Latifi doesn't have a driver's license. That guy can't <laughs> fucking drive to save his I life. I don't know. I, you just you just mentioned two guys who are only there because their daddy had a lot of money and everything's been handed to him. So I feel like these two are going to surprise you because I feel like Miami is a home field advantage, right? No, they're, <laughs> gonna be, they're probably going to get a DUI right when they start the race. Are you kidding? Thanks, they're going to be out laughing, partying all weekend. <laughs> so for reference, there are three people in or three drivers who have zero points in the four races that have happened so far. Latifi is the he's the literally the worst driver Last. in in, in he's F1 fucking right now. terrible. Lance Stroll has one point. He got in Italy, which is a tenth place finish, which so. he lucked into. Anyway, yeah, who's who's the other? Uh, Mick Schumacher and Nico Hulkenberg. Mick Schumacher's um, I, a good driver. I he that's a bummer. I hope he does well. I think, I think he's is he on a bad team right now? He's on Haas. I feel like he's on a bad team. Yeah, I mean he's on Haas, driver. but his um. Who's the other Haas driver? Oh, God. Why am I blanking right now? Come on. I got it. Hold on. The other Haas driver is Kevin Magnuson. Kevin Magnuson is doing pretty well. Yeah. He's in 10th in points. So it's not... He's had... Mick Schumacher's had a rough season. He's not adjusting well to uh, to the car. But anyway... Uh, excited for the Miami Grand Prix this weekend. What are you looking for? I said, who was the other one that I said had no points? Nico Hulkenberg. Oh, yeah. He's he's just a backup driver, though. Yes. <laughs> That's why. So that doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Nicholas Latifi is terrible. <laughs> That's, yeah, expect him to That's have a last place line. finish. He's going to DNF. Other I'm DNF telling you, he's he going to crash. He's so bad. <laughs> I don't know daddies. a lot about Formula One. I'm learning a lot every week. Me too. Yeah. One thing I know for a fact is Nicholas Latifi is terrible. That's <laughs> that is a fact. It's just that's it. The one okay. guy, if who do you, Eli? Who are you picking? Who's going to uh, win for stopping? I think I think like you said with it like with a new track, it's going to rely a lot on talent who can figure it out the quickest, and I, I that lends all credence to for stopping. I'm going I'm going to go with a shocker here. I'm going to go Carlos Sainz and I have reasoning. Ferrari my second pick. Ferrari Carlos Sainz has had a rough last couple races. Mm-hmm. However, um Ferrari up did some upgrades before Imola a couple weeks ago and Carlos Sainz in the sprint race made up some significant time. And if he hadn't been spun out uh by Daniel Ricardo in the first turn of the race, I feel like he had a legitimate shot to win with how that with how that Ferrari car was mm-hmm. running. Um, so I think Carlos Sainz has a very good chance at winning this week. I love Carlos That's Sainz because he um, he sounds and looks like Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yep, Oberyn Martell. Yeah, I can see that for you Game of Thrones fans. He yep. looks. It, it, watch Drive to Survive. He sounds exactly like Oberyn Martell. He really, he really exactly. does. Exactly. He really. Like does. They have the That's exact true. same voice, and I can't get over it. And I love Carlos <clears throat> Sainz for it. 
So. Are there any? Are there? Okay, so we've talked about Nicholas Latifi and um, Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll being two very dislike unlikable drivers. Is there anybody else that you don't want to see win? With your little background in F one, because I have one, and it's it, I don't know if it's super popular, but um. I have not ever really been a fan of Pierre Gasly, and I don't know why. That's kind of surprising. Um, I like again, we're fairly new to the sport and everything, so it's like it's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I would say it, I I wouldn't mind seeing him win. Uh, but like if you're saying like who's your third least favorite to win, it'd probably be him. Mine, I don't know why. Mine, kind of surprisingly, at least to me, is George Russell. I don't know why that guy rubs me. The wrong way all the time. I just don't like him. Fair. He's like conceded for no reason. He's had very little success and he's just thinks he's hot shit. They all do. Like, of course, they're the top. There's 20 of them in the whole fucking world. Of course, they think they're hot shit and they probably are. But like Max Verstappen is a conceded douchebag, but he's kind of earned that right. He's the best driver in the world. Yeah. So, like, okay, yeah, you're kind of a D-bag, but I can put up with it because you have the results to back that up. George (laughs) Russell's like, I'm a conceited douchebag, and my best finish is third. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. So, anyway, I I don't know why, like, maybe it's just, like, the way Pierre Gasly looks. I don't know. He just, like, looks weird. (laughs) His face is... I don't know when I, you know, when I see his face, I don't enjoy it. You know, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I'm not having fun when I see him. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, we'll see. It'll be a fun weekend. Watch Formula One. Watch Drive to Survive. Chris, you have not done your homework. Oh, uh, so I, I have, um, I have a question coming back to you. Um, you, you have Carlos Sainz as the driver you think is going to win. Who yeah. do you want to win? Like if you were to I, pick like a driver I think my you really fa- want to win. My favorite driver right now is Lando Norris. I just think he is so fun. Yeah. I I, I like the entire McLaren team. Like he and Daniel Ricardo just click and it they make like you talk about how Pierre Gasly you don't have fun when you're seeing him on TV. It's the mm. exact opposite with the those McLaren guys. Fair. Like they're Fair. just fun. So I would I would love to see Lando or Daniel Ricardo. I think it's a long shot for Ricardo. He's had a little bit more struggles with his car this year. Um, so Lando, Lando is my pick. Who who um, do you, who you want to win? I want Albon to win after his race. In, that would be um, yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that fantastic race he had the other um, Australia? Yeah, Australia after the Australian Grand Prix and him pitting in the like. That was so fun. He's a fun driver. He's got a great story. I like. He's not necessarily my favorite driver. It'd just be cool to see him win. I agree. So that. I, you know, there's very again. There's like he three guys won. that I actively don't want to win. I don't really want Max Verstappen to win because because he wins all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Esteban Oak, like Al, Alpine winning a race would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Just in general. So, I don't know. I'm excited for it. It'll be fun. I wish it wasn't on Mother's Day because, you know, like, 
I had my wife's a mother and my mother's a mother and got to do shit on Mother's Day. <laughs> Your mom's a so, mother, weird. <laughs> so, I'm just saying, I got to do stuff on Mother's Day and watching a race in the middle of the day is not high on either of their priority lists. So we'll see how that goes. But Luckily, it'll be a fun town, race. So it won't matter. <laughs> Lucky you. It'll be a fun race. Dude, that's why, anyway. that's why my family is always fun because <laughs> my grandma and her sisters, man all sports nuts and any like and surprisingly love baseball and would love golf so like we'd have a family get together it's an easter or mother's day and there's a pga tournament going on and like my my auntie norma would walk in and be like where's the remote where's the remote why why aren't we watching why aren't we watching golf why come on get it on the tv let's go i remember one time we were watching like my my other aunt comes in she's like chris we put on that make sure that mariner game's on so i turn on the mariner game it's the, the bottom of the ninth david ardsman was pitching and she's like oh two strikes he's gonna throw a 97 mile an hour fastball up and in for strike three kid you not that dude threw a 97 mile an hour fastball up and in for <laughs> strike awesome. three. and she's just like knew Fuck it yeah. and she walks Told out the you. door i loved it she loved leaves <laughs> mic drop i'm out mic yeah, drop I love it anyway let's talk sports i know again can we yeah. Yes, moving right along to the sport you know the best and the sport that I have not been paying attention we went to from, We went from at Eli all. and Jamie talking a lot about <laughs> sports and Chris not saying anything to the exact opposite of that. So, Chris, take the it's floor. Called, it's called NBA. Balance. Ready, go. It's balance. That's all that is. Mm-hmm. Hey, NBA. I'm going to crack a beer look, while you talk. Look at it. Just like we talked about, it's all the top teams, you know, the teams you expect to get in are the ones that would get in. The final four teams in both the East and the West are seeds one through four. So see, parody, blah, 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 conversations. Um, So good stuff going on, though. You got Dallas versus Phoenix. Um, That's going to be a good series. Phoenix should win that one. It's Dallas is going to go as far as Luka will take them. I just don't know if they have the depth to beat Phoenix. Um, last I checked, Phoenix was up 13 at the half in that game, a game one. So we'll see how that one plays out. I think the best series right now, after you know everyone's played their first one, is that Golden State Memphis. They Memphis took Golden State down to the wire, uh, but this is Golden State's to lose because everything played out for Memphis to take that game in Memphis. Draymond Green ejected halfway through the game. Um, if so, you lose their best defender, the the kind of the, the cog that makes that offense go, and you couldn't take that game at home. I think that's a big gut punch for Memphis. They'll likely win game two, and then I would see Golden State taking those two at home. But yeah, that's a good series, man. And I think Memphis is the second coming, if you will, of Golden State. They're the next Golden State. Golden State was that team was drafted well, built well, all their own guys, and that's exactly what Memphis is doing. What you got, Eli? So I have a question for you. Yo, as our NBA guy, I was looking at TikTok the other day, and I have a very sports-heavy TikTok. And it was a guy, and he says, "I have a pretty unpopular opinion." He says he loves John Morant as an athlete. He has too low of a basketball IQ to get them through this series. Do you do you feel that's the? He's like he's like the guy drives into three on ones way too much. He's selfish player, yada yada yada. He said it was a hot take to begin with. What's your take on that? He said, specifically said, I don't know if his basketball IQ is too low or if he's playing too selfishly. Uh, I don't think it's I, I, it's, I don't think it's basketball IQ. Um, 
here's the thing in in my in my journeys uh it covering the nba talking to those athletes those guys who are the best guys on those teams their basketball iq is through the roof um where i found the guys who really do lack the iq is the end of the bench guys and a lot of the times i've seen players who have the the athleticism and the skill there they just haven't put it all together with the mental side of the game so i don't think it's an iq issue with john morant john morant reminds me a lot of prime Russell Westbrook, where sometimes you make bad decisions because you've relied so much on your just pure athleticism to get you through the play. The fact that he can bounce out of the gym and about touch the rafters every time he jumps means that he can he can beat those triple teams in the paint, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I definitely don't think it's, it's a basketball IQ issue. I think it's just the fact that he's, he's the best player on that team. They, they, they need him to make, but to the point there, they need him to make those plays. They need him to not drive to the rib constantly and make the proper passes, to to run the pick and rolls effectively, to get the balls out to guys like Dylan Brooks, like Brandon Clark, like Kyle Anderson, like Desmond Bain. Get those guys who can shoot the ball. Get them their shots because you can make just as much of an impact through assists as you can with a layup, right? Because a dunk is worth two points, but I can kick it out to a guy who shoots a three well and I can get three and assists, I mean, Dude, it still gets points at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah, he does need to make those decisions a, a, a little more and play a little less uh, uh, selfishly. I, I, I use that very t- loosely, though, because I don't think he's a selfish player. But I get where I get mm-hmm. where this post is going at. But I definitely don't think it's a basketball IQ problem. I just think, again, when you're that explosive, man, you get away with making bad decisions at times because your pure athleticism gets you out of those bad decisions. Um, so, yeah, that's where I stand on jaw. Jaw's... Jaw's phenomenal. And with guys like LeBron, uh, probably out of the league here in, you know, next five years or so, Carmelo, guys who used to be faces of the league and it's turning on to the, the next guy, the passing of the torch. It's guys like Giannis and Jaw and Jokic who are gonna be the face of the league. So yeah, I fucking I love John Morant. John Morant's great. Um yeah, he just needs to play a little bit more of a passing guard sometimes. That's it. Okay. So um but again, good team. I really like what they're doing down there. God, top to bottom, they're they're a deep team, youthful, really fun to watch. But you're playing Golden State, man, and Golden State is <laughs> they're Golden State again right now. So that's I think they win that series. But I think it's a good one. I think the interesting ones come on in in, in the East. Miami dominated Philly in game one and Philly obviously uh, Joel Embiid's playing with a torn ligament in his thumb he also fractured orbital bone in his face so he's yeah he's not Joel Embiid right now Mm -hmm. Um, and defensively Miami is so so damn talented Uh, I think they're going to win that series Um, I don't know if that series is actually going to be close because I just don't think I think Philly's kind of in shambles right now they got injuries they got a couple little hiccups going on Doc Rivers coaching acumen is being questioned like I just there's just a lot going on and obviously James Harden just hasn't been James Harden at all this year so I think Miami takes that one and then obviously Milwaukee Boston Boston is I still like Boston in that series but Milwaukee proved why they're the defending champs like they turned it on late in that game the difference in that series is going to be how Ime Udoka adjusts to the to the Milwaukee Bucks what happened was coach Budenholzer made some great adjustments after the first half to how Boston was was attacking them um, defensively and Ime Udoka didn't make the in-game adjustments to coach Budenholzer's adjustments 
So now you have to go back. You have to watch the tape, see what was going on and find ways to adjust to that. And then again, you have to make the in-game changes as Coach Budenholzer does them. Case in point, what I saw too much from Boston was guys like Marcus Smart leaving their assignment to double Giannis in the paint. I mean, Giannis is so freaking talented, even though some people think that he has no moves and he's the worst basketball player on the face of the planet, which whatever. Um, but when, when you leave Giannis and go to double team him, Giannis is too good. He has he has great vision for a big and he finds the open man. So quite often, it happened more than once, Marcus Smart would leave Grayson Allen to try to get the double team in there, maybe get a, st- a steal. Giannis saw it coming. And as soon as Marcus Smart has made, made his motion towards the double, Giannis kicked out to a wide open Grayson Allen and Grayson Allen hit the three every single time. And if Boston continues to do that, they're going to get beat at the end of the day because if they just don't have the offensive firepower to match up with them. So you got to beat them with defense and... They're one of the top defensive teams in the entire NBA, as is Milwaukee. So that's going to be a really good series if Ime Udoka can make those coaching changes. But, man, Milwaukee looks good. (laughs) They look really good. I still think Boston can pull that one out. I have to stick with them. So Yeah. All right. right. Um, I have a a, a question for you. Another another hot take, maybe. Yo. Um, How do you feel about Zion Williamson? Coming out and saying, "I was I took two games off to be safe uh, in his playoff series, um, and he was gonna come back for the third game to surprise everyone. Um, if it if it went down to get, well game seven or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, how do you feel about that? A lot of people are saying your team's in the playoffs. You're up against the number one seed. Why aren't you playing?" You, you, I get you're 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 healed. You're rehabbed. You're taking safety games. Nope, sit out. Don't do don't get on that fucking court. I'm sorry. I've seen it too many times. Do you know how rusty a player looks after that much time away from the game? I, I I've watched guys like Damian Lillard miss two weeks. I've watched CJ McCollum miss two weeks and then come back and look rusty after two weeks. So when you haven't played all year. And you want to come back in the playoffs where the playoffs is a much different animal than the regular season. There is just too much at risk there for the future of Zion to to win. What? Maybe one or two. Get, you're not you're the well, number you eight, anything even you're the I, because you, you want to hype up the fans. I mean, we've dude, everyone. It's a PR move like f- fans get talking. You get excited. This and that. But no, you're the number eight seed. You've been outgunned by Phoenix. Most of that series, you played them well, but you were outgunned and you're the odds of upsetting them, even with Zion at that point, extremely low. So why risk the injury for any of that? Same thing with Brooklyn. Like people are mad that Ben Simmons didn't play. And like, why? He hasn't played in over a year, dude. Like the, the rust on him is, can do more harm to the team's chemistry than good. Like say, OK, let's put it to someone who made who, you know, whose team was in it. Do you like. If you would have added Jamal Murray, whose very first game in that first round playoff series against Golden State, it totally messes with the the flow of what was going on with Denver. To try to try to integrate him back in in the playoffs is a risky move and not worth it, in my opinion. When you look at okay, let's just get through this, come back next year when you're ready to go, and we'll get get this figured out. And especially someone like Zion, who who has the injury prone, if you will, to 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 the, the foot that's just hampering him nah stay out dude stay out fair but say you wanted to play to get fans hyped 
there were Denver fans that were wanting Jamal Murray to come back because there were rumblings that he was healthy enough. And I was like, Dude, why would we do that? There's no way we're winning this series with or without him this year. He hasn't played in 16 months. The only time it would have made sense to get Jamal Murray back was when they were talking about the possibility of getting him and uh, Michael Porter Jr. back in that last like two weeks of the season. And in that case, they would have been able to play the last four or five games. And that's enough time to start to knock off that rust in the regular season and then be ready for the playoff push. Because it doesn't take a lot of games to knock that rust off. But again, to try to knock off the rust in the playoff atmosphere, which again is a no. much more physical game. It's, a, it's just a, a much tighter officiate. It's, it's, just, it's just not worth that risk, man, especially when a guy hasn't Agreed. played that that long. So, yeah, yeah totally um, I mean, I just I saw people shitting on him. So I wanted your take on it. I think everyone's trying to find a reason to, to shit on him for some reason, as if he's half-assing it. I, I saw the great the, a great summation of what Zion is. People are talking about if he needs to lose weight. He needs to, Zion does not need to lose weight. Zion is not. It's not like Zion is just you know eating donuts every day and is just pulling a bunch of extra weight around. The best summation of what Zion Williams is was uh, Nate Jones, who tweets about the NBA and works with athletes all the time is the fact that Zion Williams, he just he has like a Bruce Smith, Bruce Smith, NFL type body. He's like he's he's basically built like an NFL linebacker. Yeah. Like if he would have put if he would put pads on and line up in the middle, no one is gonna say, oh God, he's way too big. Zion Williamson needs to lose weight. Like he's it's he's not fat. He's not he's not carrying around 30% body fat and just huffing and puffing. The dude is an athlete. He's just built more like an NFL body than a basketball body. For sure. So no, it's just just once he figures out how to handle his body and just play basketball with it, the dude can be a force. He's proven it when he's healthy. He's a freaking stud. Anyway. Yeah, agreed. You sticking with your champ? Well, I had to try to listen back to the two weeks ago when Eli's like, you talked up Boston, and then you picked Miami, and then he kind of duped me in the last week. I was like, well, now I have to change because I'm talking up Boston. I don't even know who my pick is anymore is what I'm trying to say. I feel like I was <laughs> I was duped by Eli into thinking one thing, and I don't even know. Um, okay, so who are you picking this week? After watching the first round, I think the best team playing right now is probably Milwaukee. It, it, it's between them and Miami because Miami looks really good. But the fact that my that Milwaukee was able to turn it on late and just destroy one of the best defensive teams in the NBA this season, and Giannis is playing Giannis type basketball right now. I, I think they're the team to beat. So that's who I think is going to get through this round, looking the best right now. I will stick with Boston as my pick because I said them last week. <laughs> but my realistic thing here is Milwaukee looks really, really good after game one. Hard to disagree. I'm sticking with the Suns. That's me. Do it. Not paying attention to basketball at all. Me <laughs> is picking the Suns. Eli? I'm sticking with my picks. Who was that? I don't Austin remember. And the Suns in the finals. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sticking with my picks. I'm, just, I'm sticking with my picks right now too. I'm just saying Milwaukee looked the best of all the teams. Uh, That's hard to disagree one. with. Yeah. I'm sticking all with right. my picks though. Chris, any closing thoughts on the NBA? Nope. Cool. Except all happy. Right. Except we are recording. No, we are recording on 
May 2nd, who knows when this will be posted, but since we are recording on May 2nd, I do have to acknowledge that it is happy Damian Lillard .9 shot over the Houston Rockets day. That did uh, come up on my time hop today. <laughs> which I still am so bitter Beautiful about. <laughs> Why? The .9 Why are you shot, bitter about that? The <laughs> .9 shot that Damian Lillard hit over Chandler Parsons to send the Blazers to the second round of the playoffs for the first time in 14 years was the only game. That was my first year covering the team, too. And in that time, in the eight years I covered them, that was the only game that my boss did not send me to. Oh, my God. I had had just moved into my new house, and we were unpacking. So uh, he's like, hey, just take a couple days. He's like, we'll we'll cover that game. You don't have to go. And then he's like, like, as a prize, he's like, here's the deal. Because my boss usually traveled in the playoffs. He wouldn't travel during the regular season, but he traveled during the playoffs. He's like, if they win this game, the way the playoffs will play out, I won't be able to travel to the second round of San Antonio. So if they win this game, you can go to San Antonio for me. That will be that's your prize for not getting able to go. So I had to listen to it on the radio in my kitchen as I was unpacking boxes. Oh, no. I absolutely I absolutely freaked out. I start running around the house. Danielle thinks I like dropped a plate and hurt myself because I'm screaming. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, what? And I'm like, I get to go to San Antonio. I get to go to San Antonio. And it was my very first trip that they were going to send me on. So I was hyped. But yeah, of all the games I've covered. I've seen all the big ones. I've seen Dame drop 60. I've seen CJ drop 50. I saw Yusuf Nurkic in person drop the the, the historic 5x5 five five that the, no one's ever seen before. I saw the OKC bad shot. I missed .9 over Houston. Oh, that's and I rough. Will, and I will never that is let rough. My, my former boss. That's, that, that's like one of my down. favorite memories. Like That's mm-hmm. like a core memory that day. Because that's the day that Jamie and I had like an ultimate sports day. It was the best day. We went to softball. Wait, no. It was, it was a weekend. The night we before. To- the day before we went to a softball game. Oregon softball. That day was the Oregon spring game. So we went to a football game. And then right after the spring game was a baseball game. So we went straight from the spring game to a baseball game. And then it was halftime, I think, when the baseball game got over. And we went to a bar in Eugene to watch the end of that game. And it was that was one of the craziest it was reactions the I've ever seen. The bar was packed. Absolutely packed. And I've never seen a bar erupt like that in beer, my entire like, beer life. Beer was just thrown everywhere. We came out just like sticky and wet because all the beer that was thrown <laughs> on us. Like. You know like that... that uh, the video that keeps popping up with like the huge big screen and the bar yeah, and, yeah. and whatever. I, it, I don't even know Boston what the original. Like yeah. yeah, I don't even know what the original video is, but everybody's screaming and throwing stuff. That's what it basically was. But a smaller bar in Eugene. It was so cool. It was dope. That is awesome. All right, moving along. NHL playoffs are set so we can talk about hockey now because it's go time. Playoff hockey is next level. I've got I've got two games on right now. It's much like the NBA. It's just a different sport than regular season grinded out. It's, uh, pretty much every every sport's like that, except for maybe football because there's so few games. But yeah, baseball, hockey, and basketball are the ones that stick out. Just like playoff atmosphere in those sports is next level. I think baseball is probably the most stark just because the season shuts a drag, but playoff baseball is exciting as hell. 
Playoff hockey is starting. We're going to go through each series, pick winners. Chris is going to do his best. Wait, real quick, before we do that. Yeah. What is the best playoff in sports? There was a huge argument on Reddit the other day about this. Best playoff in sports. I think it is not even close March Madness. Um, Oof. I think let's let's can we let's go professional sports because I think March Madness is the best. So March Madness is the best playoff in sports. Well, March Madness is probably the best because it gets casual fan. A casual fan will just watch that shit because it's fun, and then you get to make the bracket so everyone gets gets enjoyed. But like, if you had to ask me which one which one is the best one, just from just a pure competitive standpoint, engagement, and just like edge of your seat. Oh my god, I personally think it's the stanley cup playoffs myself stanley cup playoffs the stanley cup is the hardest trophy to win in sports and so for that fact i think i think it's that at least in the major sports i think it's i think it's stanley cup playoffs do you agree sure yeah i mean i don't really i haven't like i haven't followed baseball and hockey long enough to really be like jazzed about their playoffs as much you know? Baseball playoff kind of sucks. It's getting better now that more teams are in it. Um, and they've made the wild card a three game series and stuff. So, like, it's getting better. But baseball playoffs, like, the, while the atmosphere is great because it's just so few teams are in it. And it's just, like, for most fans, it's just kind of meh unless your team's in it. Like, Stanley Cup playoffs, I will watch this shit for the next month and a half. All of it. I will say that the Stanley, I have watched more Stanley Cup playoffs than I've watched regular season hockey. No doubt about that for me. Yeah. Like in college, every year the Stanley Cup, I wouldn't watch any regular season, but I watch the Stanley Cup every year. So yeah. I guess, yeah, probably, probably NHL playoffs. Yeah. And, and it truly, like, I mean, hockey fans say it all the time, but it really is like the hardest trophy to win. Every every series is a seven game series, best of seven series, and they generally all go six or seven. Very, you know, there aren't many sweeps. Like basketball's super top heavy, right? Hockey's a little more evenly spread, and it just it it is, and it's such a physically demanding sport. Uh, yeah, I think it's Stanley Cup. Anyway, here we go. Stanley Cup playoffs are here. Go through each of these series, pick winners, and then we're going to pick our our Stanley Cup champ. So here we go. We're going to start in the East with the Panthers and Capitals. I'm going Panthers. This is the one one versus four, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, President's Cup winning Panthers. Yeah, I think this one's pretty easy. (laughs) ESPN has a has like an experts panel, and it's like. 30 it's 30 experts that are picking this 28 of the 30 picked care picked the panthers yeah so, I mean. <laughs> so that's that uh maple leafs lightning i'm going bolts bolts as well wow a lot of good picks on here because i think it's a pretty even matchup but i'm going tampa bay too <laughs> yeah i think it's a the good matchup agree like, I did. I did like a little bit of research. Uh, actually, actually did a little bit of research before we got on today. <laughs> um, I was bored at work, and so I actually did kind of like look into it. I just I think the Lightning's uh, offensive firepower is just gonna 
be too much in the end. I think it's going to go seven, though. The experts agree. Uh, 23 of the 30 picked the lightning. Okay. I'm picking lightning in six if I was to go a number. I'm going seven. All right. <clears throat> we got the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. Canes for me. This one was tough, but I think I'm going to go with the Canes as well. Yeah, I mean, we are lucky bl- enough that we we saw a game and they dominated that shit. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think the Bruins are injured pretty heavily right now. I maybe read that wrong somewhere. <clears throat> I think but. the Bruins are actually playing pretty good hockey at the moment. This one's almost split. 18 of the 30 picked picked the Hurricanes. So this one's the most split of the 3 we've picked so far by the Yeah, experts. I'm good. I'm going Canes on this one. Okay. Or all Canes. So, so far we have a consensus on the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Rangers Penguins. This is probably the most even matchup in the East, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm going to go Rangers. I'm going to go Penguins and I couldn't tell you why. I just, I'm going Penguins. I'm going... Just like I always do, sticking with my favorite hockey team. I'm going with the Penguins. There we go. All right. Moving on to the Western Conference. We have the Colorado Avalanche and the Nashville Predators. Avs in four. (laughs) Avs in four for me, too. (laughs) This 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 may be the most lopsided series. Yeah. 29 of the 30 experts are picking the Avs, and the one is just trying to be the one different. The one, yes. the one who does that is so that when <clears throat> the Avs win, they're like, well, yeah, we knew it. I mean, look, 29, but when they I don't, was just, like, I'm the one guy. I'm the one guy who did it. Like, yeah. It's, the same, it's yeah. the same guy who didn't vote Griffey for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, That's, exa- right. That's exactly yeah. who it is. It's the same fucking that guy. That is exactly who it is. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going abs, and I don't think this series is competitive at all. <laughs> yeah. Minnesota Wild, St. Louis Blues on right now. Um, This one, I couldn't, I, I couldn't <clears throat> really decide. I've been flip-flopping a lot. I know the Blues have won today, um, but I think I'm going to go with the Wild still. I don't know why necessarily, but I think I'm going to go Wild. They haven't won yet. It's on. However, no, they're going to win. Um, I pick the Wild also. Again, this is just kind of... This is probably the best overall series. I know that I said the other one was the best in the East. I think this is probably the most evenly matched series overall. Uh, mm. I think the Wild are going to pull it out, but I think this one's going seven. Agreed. I'm going St. Louis. Gross. I hope that's St. Louis just pisses me off in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I hope that's not true. Minnesota does too, but not as much as St. Louis. All right. Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars. Um, I think this one is sneaky. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think the Stars might steal this one in seven. That would be something because this is the only... Only series that every expert picked the Flames. Wow. Every single one. Look at that. So I am going with that. I'm going with the <laughs> Flames. They are this that would be a huge upset. 
Um, if 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 the Avs Predators wasn't a series, this would arguably be the most lopsided series. I read I read something today about this when I was researching, and there was a reason that I was convinced as to why the stars could take this. It was probably so written by the other guy. That, that didn't one guy. Vote for Griffey. Yeah, the one the guy. The one guy. Yeah. Who didn't vote for Griffey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's who should go th- for next. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, Jerome Aginla isn't walking through those doors, but that's okay because they're not going to need him. Calgary takes this one easy. Yeah. Uh, this one's <laughs> probably another four-game series. All right. Edmonton Oilers. Versus the Los Angeles Kings. This is another upset I think I picked. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Would Kings. be an upset. Um, and the only reason I do that is because I remember that Jonathan Quick is on that team, and I know he's been playing pretty well this year at times. So if if he, if he if we see playoff Jonathan Quick a la 2012, I think they could take it. 2012? Was that the year that the Kings were real good with him? Yeah, one of those years. Yeah, I think it was fourteen or fifteen. I don't. They won twice in that that span somewhere. Uh, The Oilers have the best player in hockey in Connor McDavid. Um, The Kings are, in my opinion, maybe the worst team in the playoffs. I know seeding wise that is not accurate, but uh, I just don't think they're very good. I think uh, Edmonton takes this one pretty easy. I'm rolling with Edmonton just based on the fact that in general it's hard to root for Los Angeles based teams, especially in a sport like hockey. How the hell does Southern California get a hockey team, but <laughs> Portland doesn't? That's stupid. I'm going with Edmonton. Chris, I think we picked every team the same. Did we? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I think we did. Let me yeah, double check sure. here. Yeah, we did. We for sure did. All right. Um, Stanley Cup. I'm not. We're not going to pick the second round yet because that's pointless. Uh, we'll pick that when we get there. Who going into this is your Stanley Cup champ? Avs. Oh God, I hope you're right, Chris. <laughs> I want a parade. <laughs> I feel really bad because I know how this shit works, dude, and I don't want to jinx it. But the Avs have looked really, really fucking good this year. And going into this, they were my pick before we even decided to sit down and talk hockey. So I'm sticking with it. I just really feel bad because I know how this works, and I probably just jinxed it. (laughs) God, Um, they play so well. So here's the thing, right? Here's my Avs. This is ready. I'm putting my Avs hat on. The Avs have struggled the last three years when they have been favorites or in the conversation for contending, uh, and they have taken second-round exits in all of those seasons. They have not been able to get over that hump for whatever reason. Um, This year's different. Uh, Last year, the Avs tired themselves out and were exhausted going into the playoffs because they were fighting so hard to get the President's Trophy. Mm -hmm. And they got it. They, they ended up getting it, but it hurt them. And the fact is the President's Trophy champ has not won the Stanley Cup since 2012. So um, this year, they were much more tactful in the last couple weeks of the season. In fact, they they tanked 
several games, uh, very visibly. They just they weren't hitting. They were very clearly trying to stay healthy. Um, this last game of the season that they played on Sun or Saturday, they sat half the team. I mean, it was it was very evident what was going on. They didn't want the President's Trophy, uh, and they wanted to be healthy. This Avalanche team is one hundred percent healthy going into the playoffs. They get Gabriel Landeskog back with the trades they made at the deadline. Uh, he was able to have surgery. This is where they, they took the lightnings tactic. They gave Gabe Landeskog the surgery that he was going to get in the offseason, put him on IR, because when you get to the playoff, the salary cap does not go into effect anymore. So you can have you can be paying as much as you want in the playoffs. So the Avs are now technically over the salary cap, but they're all allowed to play. So Landis Cogs coming back fully healthy. The whole team's fully healthy and rested. The Avs are in as good a position as they've ever been going into the playoffs. That said, Chris nailed it on the head. I've picked the Avs to win the Stanley Cup three years in a row, and it has slapped me in the face. So I am going to pick the... Panthers to win the Stanley Cup <laughs> in the hopes that reverse psychology I hope is this a real is the thing. One year that Chris and I pick the abs and you don't. <laughs> I fully hope that that is true. I will take the L on this podcast to go to a parade in Denver. I will do that. I'll take that sacrifice. Fair, fair, fair. But I'm not going to be the one to jinx it again. It's not happening. However, the abs are in great position. Nathan McKinnon deserves the Stanley Cup. That man is Agreed. so good at hockey, and he just he needs it because he has this stigma around him that he can't perform in the playoffs. So, end hockey rant. Um, <laughs> that's where we're at. Cool. Also, there's like reports that Nathan McKinnon's a total stickler in the in the locker room. The um, the analogy I heard today, do you, do you guys watch Ted Lasso? Yeah. The analogy I heard today, and I'm sorry for anybody that doesn't watch Ted Lasso, go watch it. It's a great show. Fantastic However, show. the analogy I heard is that Nathan McKinnon is Roy Kent. <laughs> Fuck yes, dude. <laughs> and I love it. Just the old guy who's like mean to everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just not taking any shit because he realizes that he needs to win. Yeah. And he's not gonna he's not gonna allow or do anything to prevent that. So he's totally grumpy old man in the locker room, just Sometimes telling everybody that, to man. fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> that was my Roy Kent for everybody so who watched Ted Lasso. <laughs> Chris, go watch Ted Lasso and Drive to Survive. It's Ted Lasso. I started Drive to Survive. Watch Ted Lasso first. Ted Lasso. Nah, because I got to pay for Apple TV. So fuck it. You can get it for free with an iPhone. Did you get an iPhone? You can you can like do your th- free three months, and you'll watch it in like two days. I literally, I literally watched Ted Lasso in I think a week. It's like, so good, <laughs> so good. It's the last show I binge watched. It's yeah, it's so good. All right, moving along. Any 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 f- closing thoughts on the Stanley um, Cup? My. Uh, my the my last binge watch is what I'm currently doing, which is Shit's Creek, which is also. I've heard that's show. really good. I haven't it's watched a very that. good show. Watch it. That's what I've heard. 
Okay, MLB, we're in full force. We have survived one month of the season without the Rockies being under 500. We did it. <laughs> we did it, team. We did it. They tried their hardest. They had a four-game sweep in struggling Philadelphia, came back strong and swept the Reds this last weekend. So they survived the month of April. Good for we'll them. see how long it lasts. They're and not the Mariners last, are one game above 500 right now, so I'm not going to talk any shit. <laughs> They're still above 500. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's a huge thing for the Mariners. Like I said, I think they're going to be sneaky good. I think they'll get better as the season goes on. Their differential is pretty good. Um, for only, for being 12 and 11, they're plus 17, which is um, a little weird to see in the stat line. But, you know, I'll take it. <clears throat> hey, Chris. Go. Yep. How are the Red Sox? Poor. That's, it happens. That's a good way to put it. It happens. It's a long season. Here's still, how poor they are still through got one time. month. The Arizona Diamondbacks have a better record than the Boston Red Sox. You know what, though? The Red Sox could be the Reds. Nobody but the Reds could be the Reds. That is, <laughs> like, dude, I don't know if you saw this, but the game yesterday, I think it was, they missed three pop flies in a row. I I was watching. It was against the Rockies. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. I in watched it live. <laughs> I watched it live. I was like, my high school baseball team didn't even do that, and we weren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not great. Pretty I'm staggering. Not I'm not worried yet. I've never, I've never taken too much of uh, what happens in the first month you can start to see trends but you can still buck those trends now when you're mm. you're still eight games back or more two months into the season then i start to worry a little bit but at well, this point you're still at a situation where i mean a good series against the yankees and the blue jays and you're right back into it so the saying is you can't win a division in april but you can lose it i don't think the red Sox are there the reds are well, I'm surprised the Reds aren't mathematically eliminated already. <laughs> <laughs> Through one month of the season, the Reds are minus 65. Mm. They're mm. 3 Woof. and 19. I mean, they went on like a 14 game. They won their first two games. And then they went on like a 14 game losing streak. They beat the reigning champs twice. <laughs> and they, they've won one game since then. <laughs> Woof. Craziness. Anyway, um, I want to talk about a few other things in baseball. The first being Angel Hernandez. Ugh. And and here's the problem. The first problem with Angel Hernandez is that's the reaction you get. As an umpire, your entire job, goal in life, should be to be unanimous. Not unanimous. Um, anonymous. Anonymous is what I was going for. That was terrible. Mm -hmm. um, to be anonymous. Nobody should know who you are. There's exceptions to that. There's Jim Joyce and like the, the good umpires who have been around forever that are the exception to that rule. But generally, you shouldn't be a household name. Angel Hernandez is atrocious. The best argument for the robotic pitch or the the robotic strike zone is Angel Hernandez. He's the best argument. Plain and simple, he's awful. 
I, I think I saw he he graded uh, twenty seven strikes outside of the strike zone in, his, in one of his games this year. One of them was off the plate by six and a <coughs> half inches. Yeah, um, in the game that he umped against uh, between Philadelphia and Milwaukee, which. Uh, if you didn't see it, there's a video of Kyle Schwarber just losing his ever-loving mind on Angel Hernandez yeah, that after a terrible third strike call. He had a 77% called strike accuracy. One out of every four strikes was called wrong. So bad. And one of them was like six and a half inches outside the plate. Yeah. That's, that's huge for baseball. That is three baseballs. Yep. Uh, there's there's a Twitter account. It's called Umpire Scorecards. Love that. I love that at Twitter Ump account. So Scorecards. Um, this game finished one nothing. Brewers won one nothing. The overall favor, so it gives like a score. Angel Hernandez accounted for zero point seven seven runs for the Brewers. So if you're going by this scorecard, Angel Hernandez gave the Brewers this win. By himself. <laughs> yeah, giving him 75% of their runs. <laughs> That's insane. That is insane. So, for reference, anyway. for reference, um, Ben May in the Nationals-Giants game 13 hours ago, I guess is when this was tweeted out, had a 94% accuracy, and his average is 94%. His consistency was 95%, and he gave, I guess he gave San Francisco 0.56 runs. San Francisco still lost, but. <laughs> There's been a couple, like, almost perfect scores on this. Um, his call, like his all called of balls, them. His called ball accuracy was 96. His called strike accuracy was 90. Literally every everything else in here, uh, there's one that made it into the high 80s for overall consistency but everything else is in the 90s until you get to Aaron Hernandez or Angel <laughs> Angel Hernandez I mean Aaron Hernandez would also be a really bad umpire for baseball right now yes <laughs> very bad from the ground yeah mm-hmm. the crazy part is on Angel Hernandez is the reports that he's getting high grades from the MLB because the MLB uses a different strike zone grading system than some of the other ones that we see online or even the outline of the box that we see on TV. So there's there's that. Now, I personally, in general, don't mind it because I, I mean, that's it's why you grow up, learn, you know, you know, painting the black, right? Throw one to the outside. See if you can get the call. That's why, as a catcher, you learn to frame pitches, deceive a little bit. But I, there's a difference between uh, painting the black and maybe being uh, a half a ball outside of the zone and getting a call. But you know, six inches outside is egregious. That's uh, that is inexcusable. There's, really, I yeah, mean, it, there's a difference between having like the bad call every now and then that we all kind of love to like jeer at the umpire for and then there's angel hernandez like he takes it to yeah a no 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 that's what i'm saying like in general i, I like that human element because like i said like if you know that an umpire is is calling uh, uh pitches outside then you adjust as a pitcher but you also adjust as a batter you'll hug the plate a little bit and like you play mm-hmm. that chess match but again if i'm call if i'm calling them uh, half a ball length outside i'm calling that a strike that is passable to me because to me sure. that's just a part of the game but if you're missing them sure. by six inches that's like i said that's egregious that's bad that's what i mean it, it it's also like i mean 
you have the systems in place, but you don't want to do it. Like as a manager, like I should be able when when like that that Schwarber one you you alluded to when a pitch is that fucking bad, I should be able to challenge that call. I agree I with you. One hundred percent, be able to say. I nope, agree with you. Throw all this out there. Let's review that because there's n- like no no matter what video evidence you're going to find, there's no there's nothing that says that was a strike on Schwarber. There's nothing that says that, that was such a bad call. That should be able to be reviewed. Like that's crazy that it's not when you can review other things. But again, in general, I like the the looseness of a zone. But again, this is not a loose zone. This is just being I agree your job <laughs> I don't want to go to automated strike zone I think no. it just takes some of the excitement of the MLB out of it and and again like some of the gamesmanship of baseball is figuring out a strike zone yeah yep. that that's a part of the game and it always has been and I don't think that's something that needs to go away but egregious calls like that in key moments in a baseball game are important and yeah. and you can't just like let that slide and i don't think every every i don't think every pitch should be reviewable right that would be insane but maybe in the last three innings and maybe yeah. you get two and you or do you like get football, one where you have like a certain amount of times you can challenge right. you a call. get you get one in the last three innings and if you get it right you keep your one but if you get it wrong it's gone so yeah. you got to be tactful with how you use it sure but if it's the ninth inning and there's a runner on second base and there's two outs and you're down by one run and that's the call that ends the game, yeah. nobody wants to see that. Yeah. No, I, I, we've talked about, we, we've talked about that on the show a lot. It's like how we do actually like the human element of right of of all that. Like I mean, like there is like even in football and stuff when we bitch about the refing, like I love I love yelling at refs. It's like my favorite thing. Yeah. Right? Like, it's so much fun. I want to be able to complain and bitch about not my team playing bad that's the reason they lost. It was the refs that that lost it. I want that. But then there's Angel Hernandez or um, the Pac-12 officials. Yeah, Pac-12. In general. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, those are different beasts. But, you know, like, the human element is nice. Yeah. I want want bad calls and questionable calls because I don't want to be robbed of... Lou Pinella type outbursts in my yes. life. Agreed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Agreed. I fully agree with that. And the fact that the MOB is trying to get rid of those is just asinine to me. Yeah. Again, I, I have a feeling it's gonna, like, they're going to do it for like spring training and people aren't going to like it. And they'll, they'll be like, okay, we won't do that. Well, they're, they're starting to do it in at least one of the AAA leagues. Or maybe Oof. double A. Yeah, it was they're, minor, they're, minor league. I know what you're about. They're they're testing a an automated strike zone. So we'll see how it goes. Um moving along, we have our first benches clearing quote unquote brawl of the season between the St. Louis Cardinals and the New York Mets. Did you guys see this yep. was it last weekend? It was this this series was heated from basically the get go, and it culminated with Nolan Arenado getting buzzed in, I believe, the eighth inning, and he started jibber jabbering at the pitcher, and then he jibber jabbered back, and then they came together and everybody mm-hmm. fought. What I wanted to glean from this was after the game, Pete Alonso 
was quoted as saying something along the effect of, uh, I'm a big guy. If I wanted to put somebody in the hospital, I could. And it's and I, I not so secretly said that Pete Alonso is the most hated player in baseball after the home run derby last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't recall, the reasoning for that was because he won it, and it was in Denver. He won the home run derby. During the home run derby, you get timeouts and things, and your friends come out and give you Gatorade, and it's like this whole huddle, and like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Hit more home runs. He called a timeout in every round that he was in. Not a single player came out, not even his teammates that were in the home run derby, or in the all-star game. And after he won it, nobody came out to congratulate him or talk to him. So... I am holding firm to my fact the fact that Pete Alonso is the most hated player by other players in baseball. Hard to argue. And and this doesn't help that argument at all. Mostly because during said brawl, he was tackled by a sixty year old Cardinals coach. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Form tackle. <laughs> brawl. Put him on his back. Pedro so, Martinez would have never let that, that happen. Definitely not. <laughs> but it just shoved him to the side. Yep. Like the old man he was. Watch him fall like a bowling pin. <laughs> that, that was funny. It really was. Lou Pinella just rolling on the ground in the middle of a brawl. Uh, good stuff. Um, so, anyway, that was the, the first brawl of the season. Uh, not, not three days later... Maybe not even. It might have been the next night. I don't know. But the Mets threw the first no-hitter of the season. And this is a crazy no-hitter because it was a combined no-hitter with five different pitchers, Mm -hmm. and they threw 154 pitches. That's the crazy stat to me. That's insane. That's so many pitches. 159. Sorry. 159 pitches. So many pitches for a no-hitter. (laughs) <laughs> I think there were seven walks. Oh, Jesus. Probably all given up by the starter because he only lasted five innings. Um, That's insane. 154 pitches, but no hitter. So that was that. Uh, so that is, that is now the record for the most pitches thrown in a no hitter. Yeah, Josh. and it may never be broken. <laughs> that's, that is an insane number. You deserve to be no hit at that point. Yeah. I think Kyle. I think Kyle one. Schwarber. I think Kyle Schwarber walked three times in that game. Jeez, Jesus, <laughs> incredible. So, combined no hitter for the Mets. Uh, any other? The updates? only thing that would have been better is if there were so many walks that attributed to that, so that it was like a combined no hitter, but they lost one zip because they walked one in. Combined no hitter, but they lost <laughs> like. I feel like didn't like the Mariners do that a couple years ago where they lost even though they threw a no hitter. Am I thinking that? I no, feel I like right. somebody, right. or at least it's been close. That can't be right. Yeah, we'll oh. figure it out later. Uh, the Rockies' one no hitter is from Ubaldo Jimenez in uh, 2010. He threw by himself 128 pitches. Um. Of those 128 pitches, only 72 were strikes. So this was a very similar no-hitter. 
he did shut him out, though. But he walked six batters. I mean, 128 pitches is a lot for anybody to throw. That's that's a lot, yeah. Uh, no, the Mariners did not lose when they threw a no-hitter. <laughs> the, that would be uh, impressive, though. Yeah, the Angels did. Oh, was the they Angels? lost? Yeah. The Angels lost to the to the Dodgers one zip, and the Dodgers did not record a hit. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. So it was a one run in the fifth inning. What was this? 2008. Yep. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Not the only one. Oh, no, there's another. Matt Young with the Red Sox in 1992. Andy Hawkins with the Yankees in 1990. Yeah. So in that game... Yeah, but in that rare. game, in that game, it was a uh, Matt Kemp reached first base on an error. He then stole uh, second base. Yeah, yeah he then stole what, second yep. base. Yep. Reached third base on a on a uh, wild pitch, and then it was a sacrifice fly. Got him in for the score. Wow. That was the one. That was the one run. That was the one run. That's crazy. That is, yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, Jared Jared Weaver pitched uh, six innings, had six Ks, no hits. Moradondo threw two innings, (laughs) no hits. So, yeah, the Dodgers won one zip and were no hit. That's crazy. (laughs) That's dope, though. Cool stats. That's very fun stats. Baseball's wild. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's similar to the one that happened to the Red Sox. Uh, Kenny Lofton walked to start the inning, then he stole second, uh, and then he stole third during uh, on a strike him out, attempted throw him out, um, and then the next batter reached on a throwing error, so one nothing game over. Yeah, like, could you like? It'd be like, dude, would you have like a like an NFL equivalent? Like, you scored on a pick six or a kick return, but like your offense punted on every single possession of the game. So like three and out every possession, yeah. Three and out every single possession. I think it would have to be even dumber than that. I think like, it would have to be like three and out every possession, and then like you the, you block the other team's field yeah. goal attempt, or like I don't even know. Yeah, it'd I don't have to know, be like, stupid like that. Like you, <laughs> you throw a pitch a perfect game on defense. And your offense gives up a pick six or something. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That that would be the equivalent there. Or like a snap over the head safety. Yeah, yeah that's Broncos so Super Bowl. Baseball's weird. Don't. That's the that's the whole point. Baseball's weird. <laughs> too early, Eli. <laughs> it's too soon. Too soon. That was like <laughs> too <what>? soon. <laughs> what year was that even? Twenty thirteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too soon, bro. Too soon, bro. It's only been almost ten years. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's nuts. Um. All right, that's it for baseball. Uh, the NL West is crazy as we thought it would be. Um, it's crazier because the Rockies aren't terrible. Um, the ANL East is also crazy. The AL West is also crazy. And then there's the Red Sox. Remember that time we beat the Rockies? Shut the up. Series? Nobody asked that you. Cool. Nobody asked for your input. That was pretty cool. Nobody asked for your input, Chris. 
Well, just all right. Let me I let could, me live my life I, over here. I could with have the Rockies quiet. being better than the Red Sox. <laughs> could have stayed quiet. I'm taking very slight pleasure in the fact that Trevor Story is terrible to start this season. I like Trevor Story, and I do want him to do well, but there's a very small part of me that's like. See, you had it so good here. You <laughs> yeah, had to go so chase good. all the glory in Boston, and now you're hitting 217 with no home runs through the entire month of April. Stop Even with that back. short porch in left field. Suck it. <laughs> anyway, moving on, please. <laughs> Chris is mad. <laughs> Chris is mad. All right. Um, the NFL draft happened. That was a crazy first round, dude. It was a crazy draft. Yeah. That first round there was, though, was nonsense. Insane. There were nine trades in the first round with like nine. players. Like you don't see players being traded ever in the draft. Like very, maybe later rounds, you get like a punt returner or like a kicker traded or something stupid. Like high profile back. wide receivers being traded in the first the, round. Okay, the AJ the AJ Brown trade people are like praising it i don't get it they traded away one of the top uh aj brown they they were traded for a first and a third no who who don't you get it for oh, i i don't get why the titans would do it no absolutely not people are praising that as like because they're like oh the receiver they because they they okay listen i do what they i do is, get why they're praising it but they go they, ahead. they traded a first and a third yeah for aj brown and uh, a swapped first. The Eagles did. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, a swapped first in a third round. And then they drafted a guy who just profiles like A.J. Brown. Um, and, like, I get, like, Traylon people like, Burks. oh. Yeah, Traylon Burks. Like, I get people like, oh, he's going to be the next A.J. Brown. I don't like that. You've got a proven commodity in A.J. Brown at as a top 10 receiver for another four or five years if you sign him. And do I get wide receiver contracts are insane right now, but that, like that, that's probably the biggest factor is that wide receiver you, contracts are insane. You for sure hit the nail on the head right there. But there's you, two philosophies at play here, and there's there's a very clear divide in the NFL with which teams are going which way on this, especially at the wide receiver position, but also at the quarterback position because. You have these monster, monster contracts being signed by guys that are arguably being overpaid, Uh Um, especially at the wide receiver position. So you, as an organization, have two routes that you can decide to go. You can overpay for that proven commodity and maybe take the hit elsewhere, or you can draft young talent that can come in and replace that guy and and provide some, um, fill that hole pretty well right away. We're seeing young receivers come in and produce at a rate that we've really never seen. Um, Jamar Chase being a perfect example of that. Uh, young receivers are able to come into the league now and produce at a faster clip than we've maybe ever seen in the NFL. Um, that being said, you still have a proven commodity in Tennessee, like you're saying, in A.J. Brown, and you're trading him away for a gamble. Yeah, well, here, here's what doesn't make sense to me. He's under contract till 2026. 
right? He's just looking for that extension. And nowadays, especially like the NFL is kind of becoming the NBA where guys are just like, nah, if you're not going to pay me, I'm demanding a trade. Yeah. But if you don't trade me, I'm not playing. Yeah. And that's fine. Whatever. But, um, that's a whole other conversation, but I'm just looking at this going like, okay, you're gambling. So basically you traded a top 10 receiver for a third round pick. Yeah, that's essentially I mean, what that's, that's what they did, right? Yeah. And, and some cap space, right? Like, so when I, an, an already weak Titans receiving core, uh, like AJ Brown was like basically all they had and rookie wide receivers are hit and miss. Yeah, he profiles like AJ Brown, but who the fuck knows? He could be awful. In the total NFL. gamble. And it's so when gamble. I when I see something like that, especially when you have a guy under contract like this <clears throat> already, like I I don't get that trade. I think it's I think it's a weird one myself. I don't. I mean, to your point about young guys playing or playing well, they are. But it's like the wide receiver position hasn't gone the way of the running back position, where you get no. the first four years out of them and then you just go draft another one and no one's getting paid. Uh, I think when you have a a true wide receiver one, you need you should pay him and you should do everything you can to keep him. And then you get good receivers around them to you know take a little pressure off. But guys like AJ Brown, guys like uh, DK Metcalf, that's why like San Francisco. I mean, kudos to them for not panicking and and shipping out Debo on draft night. And it, I mean, it sounds like Debo still wants out, but Lynch and Shanahan want to try to rectify that relationship with the can because they have a true number one wide wide receiver. Just stop playing him as a running back, you idiots. Um, but yeah, if you have a wide receiver one, keep him. Keep him. Don't just yeah. don't just let him go because you don't want to pay him. I like mean, wide receiver two and three, totally replaceable. Totally mm-hmm. like you could insert ninety percent of the wide receivers in the NFL. Wide receiver two and three. Let's be let's be honest here. Um, and uh, but like that wide receiver one is such a rare position that somebody you can always go to. I, I mean, I mean, are you gonna? Is is this gonna have? Is, is Cooper Cup gonna command a shit ton of money and now like LA is gonna trade him. Like he's their he's their wide receiver one and makes everyone he around won't. him better. Like no, but you know what he, I'm saying? Like it's just like it's it's wild to me. Oh, it, it's it's great. The the amount of power that players have in the NFL nowadays is more than we've ever seen. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um I do like the the uh tact that the Broncos have chosen to take uh and they did they locked up their top three receivers last year to contract extensions like the broncos are like we see all this madness coming we're avoiding all of it yeah (laughs) here's our receiving core ready go (laughs) yeah i just hate this Um, idea that you want to be i i i am just you want to be good but you don't want to pay your talented players to be good with you like it's the same difference in the NBA when people worry about like, oh, well, if the Blazers go sign this this person, they'll be in the tax. Like, who gives a shit? If you want to be competitive, you don't get you don't care about how much money you're paying out or if it puts you in a tax bracket. Now you have to pay more money on top of your. No, if you're an owner and you want to be competitive, you're going to pay money. You're not trying. You're not trying to save money at the end of the day. You know what? What 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 makes for a better team? The team that can say, oh, guess what? We we actually made money this year. We didn't spend it all. We didn't have to pay the tax or the team that goes, guess what? We had to pay in the tax more than any other team. But we hosted the Lombardi at the end of the year. Like, like that, that's yeah. what matters. And if you and and honestly, let's let's go with nothing but rookie wide receivers. Get a, get rid of AJ Brown, and yeah, 
have fun, Ryan Tannehill. Maybe you're going to be exposed as not being the top quarterback that people think he is in Tennessee. Come on. Ryan Tannehill is still Ryan Tannehill. No, it'll be now Desmond no Ritter. No, Malik Willis. Malik Willis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ritter, Ritter went to Atlanta. Yeah, Ritter. That's right. That's right. Which is like, so so, that's a great move for them. They've got Mariota who can step in for a couple of years, have a couple mm-hmm. great seasons, maybe reignite his career. And then they could step to their young gun who they want. And then Mariota can go somewhere and finish his career. You know? So, yeah. Philly had uh, a good draft all around, though, with that trade and their pitch. They did. Good draft. Yeah. I'm still scratching my head what the hell Baltimore was doing. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Con- very confusing. <laughs> I mean, you talk about another wide receiver being traded. Uh, they traded Hollywood Brown and then proceeded to not draft a receiver. Right. <laughs> Again, Lamar Jackson has to be like, what is another happening? Another weak wide receiver core losing their top receiver. Right. But then not adding. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, not your, adding anything. Like, if that's, your, if, if that's your strategy, okay, at least I can understand what it is, whether I agree with it or not, whatever. What is Baltimore, who are they even going to throw out there at receiver? I don't know. I don't even know who's on the roster. And to be honest their with picks, you. they're like if you look at their picks, um they they actually had a really good draft. Like they drafted a lot of really high, like high upside players who are really good. But what are they gonna do at wide receiver? Like That's what, I'm what do they like, do? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. Um speaking of the first round being wild, five Georgia defensive players were taken in the first round of the draft this year. That is absurd. To put that in perspective for people, that is more than every other conference had total draft picks except for the Big Ten in the first round, who had seven. That's insane. The Big Ten had seven total. Georgia had five on the defensive side of the ball. And arguably, their best player on defense wasn't even a part of that first round of the draft in N'Kobe Dean. Yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, apparently there was some injury thing. I didn't look into it too deep. But like, I, when, when I was like kind of like watching them play, I was like, this guy profiles as a Sunday player day one. Like, day one draft He's a guy. top 10 talent. Yeah. And he slid to what, the third round? Fourth round? Yep. And I, I was like... Holy crap, he's going to follow the Broncos at 64, and then they didn't pick him. And then, holy crap, he's going to follow the Broncos at 89, and then they didn't pick him. It's like, what is happening to this guy? What is going on? But, yeah, it's definitely injury stuff that got him. Hey, all I'm saying is who cares? If if Tennessee wants to give a quarterback 8 mil to come play, they're good for them because he still has to go up against teams that are throwing out five NFL defensive players in the first round. Have fun. Have fun, Tennessee. Just bringing the podcast full circle. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. (laughs) How do you feel about the Broncos draft, Jamie? I feel pretty good about it. Uh, it's hard to feel great when you don't. I mean, they drafted Russell Wilson number nine overall, so you, yeah. you can't really. <laughs> that was such a dumb really video, but I loved that. it so much. <laughs> oh, it's as cheesy as it gets, <laughs> but it's great. Welcome um, to the Russell Wilson. Oh my god, <laughs> unlimited. You remember that? You guys see that video last year? I saw Mr. that one. Un- yeah, unlimited. God, he's. A- He's he's a tool, dude. He's a tool. <laughs> oh, he's an absolute tool, but now he's our tool. Yeah. Um, 
Broncos draft was good. It was filled with guys that provide depth, which is what this team needs at this point. There are not very many glaring holes on this Broncos roster. Um, Nick Benito can be a swing defensive end out the gate and provide uh, some talent in the pass rush game. And you can never have enough pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, Greg Dulcich didn't know much about him, to be fair. However, he did absolutely torch Oregon this year Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, in the game they played. (laughs) He is a fast tight end that is willing to get in the pass blocking game and the run blocking game. Uh, I think that's a good pickup. The rest of them are good. Uh, The one pick that's been in Denver, at least criticized the most is Montreal Washington at, at uh, in the fifth round. The only reason the Broncos did this is because they had three fifth round draft picks. He's a wide receiver out of Samford, but he is not going to play wide receiver for the Broncos. He is a punt returner. So when you identify a guy in the draft as your punt returner and you need it, you're going to overdraft him and you know that, but you got your guy and yeah. you got to go do that early on. So I don't have any problems with the Broncos draft. Could they use an inside linebacker? Yes. Um, but in the NFL nowadays, they run nickel so much. You only really need one inside linebacker. The Broncos have three that can play. Like, yeah, it's a position of need. It's not exactly their strong suit, but I'm not upset that they didn't get an inside linebacker. So feel pretty good about the draft overall for the Broncos. How about you? I I liked it. You know, again, like you said, it's kind of hard to get like hyped about it when there's no first round pick and you pick your first pick is the last pick of the second round. Yeah. Um, Because they kept trading back. And I like I texted you guys. I was like, they clearly don't like this draft class. I think the Broncos and from what I've heard today is they had like five or six guys that they identified as second round talent where they could get them. And there were enough of those guys left that they're like, let's just build capital. We're going to get one of our guys no matter what. Yeah. Let's move back. I think they just did. One thing I was like, I was a little, uh, this this isn't, uh, I I understand. Like, I was surprised they didn't go with a quarterback in the later round somewhere, try to strike on a gem. Just because like right now, second string is Brett Ripien. Yeah. Like that's not. I agree Russell, with that. Ru- I love Russell, but he's he can get that injury bug sometimes. You need somebody off the bench who can play. Um, and you know, I so I'm surprised they didn't take a shot on somebody like just like kind of in the late like like where the Montreal uh, Montreal Washington pick was. Like why not? Yeah, go one for of those a, fifth round picks. Yeah, like one of those guys. Just like why not go for a Matt Corral? You know, like. Everybody knows Luke Wattenberg's going to suck because he went to Washington. So his decision making is terrible. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to wash out. Just take a quarterback at that spot. Just go Matt Corral or somebody like that. Didn't Matt Corral go sixth round or something like that? He went third. He went third? Really? Hmm? Is that? Oh, he did. He did go third. Never mind. Thir- 30th pick. My bad. Somebody somebody was there that's better than any player from Washington. <laughs> that happened to be one of the picks that I saw on TV because I just 
had it on in the background on Saturday. I was like, I'm done with this draft. I'm not watching it anymore. Yeah. You could have gone. uh, No, never mind. Yeah, I guess I guess they didn't really have anybody there. So Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, went in the seventh round. I would have taken him over anybody from Washington. As Mr. Irrelevant, it's not that's not a bad risk. That's a pretty good that's a pretty good Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, Chris. They need that quarterback depth when they trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, how how was the Niners draft? Mm, I think the Niners draft is questionable. I mean, uh, the the what are you gonna do? You don't have a first round pick. You, your first pick is in the second. They got a good pick there, and in, in Drake, I think he's gonna match up well on that front line with Eric Armstead and, and Bosa. But other than that, it's it's all. Low risk, maybe reward for the get from the guys. Like I, I just think the Niners were stuck in a poor position because I think this was not a very deep draft, and for what they were dealt with, not having an early pick. I said Drake Jackson. I like I like the matchup, but again, I would have rather used that first pick that they did have on maybe an offensive weapon instead of defense. Because I think the defensive line is pretty good as is. Um, the uh, Davis Price at running back, like that's an interesting pick. Um, I don't know how he's going to pan out because this was a probably a historically weak running back draft. I mean, when like outside of Kenneth Walker, no one's going to make noise and he might not even make noise. Um, I do like the Danny Gray pick, though. I think he's going to match up well in that receiving core ability to kind of put him outside if you need to kind of feels like a slot guy to me play, especially if they get Debo in there and can have a guy who's kind of similar in that Debo skill set. Again, don't make him run the ball, though. Just let him play wide receiver. Uh, but other than that, it's just a whole bunch of cool. That that would be cool. That where's that? Okay, depth. Cool, cool, cool. Draft overall, I thought was really, really boring. I mean, I'm trying to stretch to make it sound good. I thought the Niners draft was meh. Well, like it's it's, it's always it's always kind of a boring draft when your team takes people you don't know, right? And so like the 49ers took you know Drake uh, Drake Jackson, uh, USC big name. Right, uh, Terry Davis Price, LSU, big name, and then it's SMU, UTSA, Toledo, Fordham, UCF, Penn State, <laughs> Iowa State. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's you got you got like six rounds there, or or sorry, like yeah, like four rounds there where you pick nobody you've ever heard of, right? Like, <laughs> that's no fun. That's I mean, no fun. drafts are drafts are hard, and the quarterback position is the most important position in sports, we've talked about it. Um, when you don't have any high-profile quarterbacks in the draft, it's just not going to be a very exciting draft. That's just mm-hmm. how it goes. Um, yeah, I was so thinking, I was that like, is what it I was is. Like, it, was, it felt like a, like one of the more boring drafts since, like, what was it, 2009 or 10, when it was, like, four tackles, like Eric Fisher and, like, Jake Long. Like, it was, like, five tackles that went off the board right away. It's like that kind of <laughs> that kind of draft. <laughs> yeah, I mean the first like five picks were all on defense. Not that that's bad, and it's probably smart because this was a defensive heavy draft. It's just like that's not all that exciting. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just not. Yeah, it's, it's 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 probably a good draft overall, but you just like you're just like eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it and. All three of us, none of us had a first round pick. So it's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Draft. Yay. 
I mean, I'm glad they oh, didn't it was, get a first-round pick because if they would have, it would have meant they traded Debo. So I'm glad they didn't find their way into the first round. It was the 2013 True. draft. It was uh, offensive tackle, offensive tackle, D-end, offensive tackle, D-end. That's right. D-end, right. guard, wide receiver, corner, guard, tackle. Like, it was just like... It was, it, so it's Eric draft. Fisher, Luke Jokel, Deion Jordan. Yeah, sad. Um, Lane Johnson, Ezekiel Oof. Ansah, Barkevius Mingo, favorite name in football. Like it's just like a, like Tavon Austin was the most exciting pick at all that. Really, a lot of these yeah, guys are still playing. Draft like they're still playing, and it's good, right? Like they're all good players, but yikes! It's just not splashy. Not it's not splashy and fun. First QB was EJ Manuel. Oof! <laughs> he went Oof. sixteen to the Bills. Oof. Oof. We talk about bad quarterback class this time. Well, we should talk. What we should be talking about is how this impacts Oregon because obviously uh, McKinley and Kyle Wright got some bad draft advice. <laughs> yeah. And CJ Verdell. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. yeah the, it, was, it was a rough draft for Oregon. One draft pick went day one, number five overall, but. From those three really great classes that we had, we've produced one. We produced one draft pick out of that. Yeah, it's, you know what though? It's a little rough. It's one more than Texas did. Yep, Texas had higher ranked recruiting classes for all three years leading up to that. So <laughs> that's pretty rough. No doubt about it. That is rough. <laughs> so yeah. Georgia had 15 players. That is silly. <laughs> Georgia had 15 players drafted. That is the entire half of the ball, plus some. They were good, man. So wild. They were good. LSU had 10, and they were bad last year. Yeah, that's weird. It's crazy. It's crazy that Cincinnati had nine. That's the, that's the third most is Cincinnati. Guess you can see why they made the playoff. Man, Mikhail Wright is like is just getting invites to mini camps. Like he's not even getting signed. Verone McKinley signed, but Mikhail Wright didn't even sign. Yeah, he for sure did not get good draft advice. No, he did not. Sad. I liked him. Sad. All right, gentlemen. Any closing thoughts? Closing arguments? Are we to, are we really gonna talk NFL or are you done with the pod or are you just moving on to the next topic I'm done I don't do you have something else to talk about We're, you're going to talk Am about I Hopkins something you're going to talk about Hopkins oh that did happen yeah he suspended six games oh yep, shit for PEDs I just saw that today and forgot about it yeah I DeAndre did Hopkins that. suspended six games for PEDs which of course they'll fight and yeah it's going to come down to two games because that's how this works. Still. Crazy. His quote is, I was confused and shocked. I'm very mindful of what I put in my body and have always taken a holistic approach. So I'm working with my team to investigate how this could have happened. To be fair, I mean, like, just... inhaler is te- like taking an inhaler is technically a PED. Yeah, like that's such a... like. It's such a negative term, but if you look at the banned substance list, you would be shocked at some of the things that are on it. Yeah, yeah. it, it shouldn't even be sports. fucking banned substance. It's like the, the 
just hand them a list of like, hey, oh, you want a protein powder? Here's all the protein powders that don't have the banned substance. Here's right, all yeah. the, right. like, here's here's the supplements that take. you can take. Or if you're a team, fucking hire a guy to do that and or, hand this out so that you're not even or putting even better, at risk. Here's the ones you can't. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you, if it was the ones you can, that list would be very long. Oh no, but for sure. I get yeah. Here here's the list of things that you're not allowed to take. Ready here. Ready. No, that's break. the banned substance list. No, but like here's here's a list of the protein powders or whatever that contain this stuff that you're yeah. not allowed to ingest. Right. So you're not trying to look on the label of everything that you consume and figure it out. I don't know. Also, There's got to be a better way to do it. It's completely messed up that half this crap that they have in these supplements are considered performance-enhancing drugs. Like, yeah, well, like really? Adderall's, Adderall's on that list. Like, yeah, that makes you a way better fucking NFL wide receiver. Like, fuck off. <laughs> <coughs> Stupid. Ritalin's on there. That's so dumb. Sudafed. You got allergies. <laughs> you can't fucking take Sudafed. <laughs> You, yeah, you the list what, is stupid. What is that? Hold I'm just gonna go down. I'm, I'm gonna start taking some like nonstop. I'm gonna pop Sudafed every single day, and then go work out. And I'm gonna see if I see noticeable gains in my performance. Like, like yeah. I mean, what are we talking? about? I increased my bench press thanks to Sudafed. I always thought You're that not it was to crazy that bitter orange. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> even is that? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what. I, that's this list is stupid. Wow. <laughs> That's the fact that marijuana is on there at all is is just comical to me. Hey, Robin Williams said it it best. You know, there was that the loser who got popped for PEDs way (laughs) back in the day for marijuana. And like Robin Williams says, marijuana is not a performance enhancing enhancing drug unless there's a bar of chocolate at the end of the track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's take something that actually slows you down and that's pretty much the entire purpose of it and say it's performance enhancing yeah totally anyway that's all i got that's all i got it's definitely eli's buzzer beater this week it definitely is so i'll let you think of that listener thank you for tuning in to our very lengthy episode today we love you like share comment tell your friends your parents whoever about our amazing show. Till next week, Eli, take us away. My buzzer beater. Oh, wait. Thank you, Zeta June, for letting us use your music. You guys rock. Go check out Zeta June. Vibe out to some good music. Now, Eli, no, take it away. No, no, no. Don't take it away. It's not thank you, Zeta June. It's mahalo. Oh, touche, my friend. <laughs> touche. Mahalo, Zeta June. Mahalo, Eli, take Zeta it away. <clears throat> my buzzer beater this week is Mark Emmert. Bye, bitch. Deuces.